Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pandora for We mm. Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast. I am Ernest, and I just got a call from James Gunn. I'm not going to be Superman anymore. Oh, Aww. no. Well, I was just about to well, wait, press so release <laughs> and say that we are looking forward to working with you in the future simultaneously as you are saying that you're no longer Superman. I'm not wearing the cape anymore. So is that what happened? I, I was under the impression that like, yeah, he called and like, I don't know, James's tweet was very like, yeah, we talked about a lot of great opportunities in the future. And it's, <laughs> he did not say the word. Lots of characters yeah. available. When it's like, brother, we're talking about one opportunity right now. <laughs> I do wonder if it was a meeting where they're just like, hey, we're going to make a Superman movie uh, and you're not going to be in it. But like, it's cool. Like, we're really open to looking at things. And Her Henry Cavill is like, I can read between the lines. I know what's happening. I got it, here. buddy. You're, you're saying like, you'll have me come back through a portal in 20 years. You'll give me the Toby tree. Now, would we be upset if he were James Bond? No, I would not. You've um, really done a full 180 on Henry. I Cavill. have because of. By the evidence. way, I am I am Hunter Cole in the way of water. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and who are you? <laughs> um, I'm Gru. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <clears throat> and who are you? Um, I. <laughs> already introduced are we just gonna keep this going let's keep round this going. and round I have we're a little more, rusty I, more i can fire off and also here. with you i'm avatar i am an, a name a man named Ernest is my new twitter name really yeah because uh, <laughs> uh, it's because of a man is it a name a, a man named auto a or man, a man named auto yeah um oh, it's a real movie i'm the the polygon of sadness there you go drew um, but yeah, Cavill. A man I've, called Otto. So I've, I've, That's what I thought. Yeah, they, you fucked up. <laughs> did I Twitter did name. I write it wrong? I gotta check now. Oh my what God. that movie left such a nothing impact on you that you couldn't even get the Twitter yeah a right movie right. I've definitely seen. Let no, me, I I did say a man called Ernest. Okay. Let let me tell you why I've done a one eighty on Henry Cavill because he has shown more uh over the last few years he um can grow a mustache yeah you may be thinking oh be why because he loaded his fucking arms in epic bathroom scene no 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 uh anola holmes honey oh i keep forgetting he, that you saw this fucking that is movie. a very respectable kids movie and he is like dynamic in the movie he that's sherlock because holmes. that's what yeah i guess yeah um it's been a while but what I I took away from that movie is that he is capable of a lot more than one thing, which he, I had never, ever, ever seen before. I had never seen anything but one thing from him. All right. We're back in the studio. Uh, we did it. We're here after many failed scheduling attempts and me well, getting sick with COVID. You well, we should say that the only way to save you, much like Jake Sully, was to put you in a vat and transport you across yeah. the galaxy. But right. you you had the choice of like creating the virtual world that you would end up in and you chose like here. <laughs> You're, right. You're like, nah, I want to yeah. be a podcaster. Yeah, you guys are just fully virtual. Like James Cameron's technology led to just you guys here being <laughs> manufactured from my virtual subconscious. I'm sorry. I know that we are, but we are back. And I did just think about a good uh, James Bond candidate since you said it. What if we went Dev Patel? Yeah, that's what everyone is saying. It's Dude, not going to happen. Dev Patel would be so good, man. He's so like hot. He's young. 
Don't just could, don't tell. He's Ian, got the suave. Don't don't tell the who's the guy who wrote James Bond. Ian Fleming. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't tell that man. Yeah. Don't tell. It needs to be a white motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, call, call him. Like, yeah. Call him like Devin. Devin, Devin Patterson. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, His chances just rose like forty seven percent. Apparently, it's gonna be kick ass. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, I don't fuck with that. I don't. If it needs, if it's gonna be a white guy, it needs to be like the white guy. And to me, that's kind of Henry Cavill. Cavill yeah. Cavill. How old is? I guess Aaron Taylor Johnson is younger. They, I, they I gotta go. They have to go sub forty. Like they gotta they have go to. young with it. I did see Bullet Train and the bits <laughs> with Aaron Taylor Johnson in that movie. I was like, you know what? I could see it. I, I, if they go like a little kind of snarky comedic that's the, yeah that's he's just because he's not like he's not like mega hot no he, he's not there he's like he's like hot for if he was a funny guy um he's also married to like an old ass woman but that's neither here nor there <laughs> i don't i don't buy it um did i talk about bullet train on the pod maybe do you, do you want to do a quick a quick hour it's terrible yeah let's keep going <laughs> it's on so it. bad can you guys walk me through beat by beat everything um, that happens in bullet in, in a word awesome sauce it is very epic sauce okay, yes it cool, is base cool, cool, cool. Yeah. it's reddit <laughs> yeah uh no i mean if it's the perfect kind of movie that you can just kind of put on for the just to have in the background and it kind of looks nice the shots are kind of nice you know production yeah, design it was unfortunate being in the theater for it because you would think that the allure of such a visual movie would be right. in a theater uh it is for you know maybe an hour and then you're like let's get it let's stop doing the one joke you know oh. the joke i'm talking about everyone <laughs> the thomas the tank stop <laughs> stop doing that you you don't have to just do one joke um yeah i uh I had to split it in two. I after an hour, I was like, I am so over it. And I mean, did you not like go full soy mode at at the end couple of cameos? So there's Michael Shannon. Um, spoilers for Bullet Train, I fucking guess. And Over your ears, Hunter. And then Ryan Reynolds for like half closer. a second. I want you guys to get louder with these cameos. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds pops up. That's all we're gonna say. Oh man, my favorite actor. My actor and actor who has so much range. Well, it's just this is the most like the only way for it to become more bullet trainee is if Ryan Reynolds showed up and yeah. then he shows up. And then at the very end, we find oh, out Sandy. We find out that the voice who's been guiding Brad Pitt's random ass yeah. this whole time is Sandy Bull. Yeah, well, that wasn't really a cameo. That was just that's who that character has been the whole time. <laughs> yes, it was. It's like a reverse, <laughs> a reverse uh, cameo. Yeah, it's fine. It's on. It's on Netflix. Is um, it fine or is it bad? It could just be bad. It doesn't have to be fine. I would say it's terrible. Okay, cool. All right, that's <laughs> that's what I would say. I, I would, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to get mad on some reviews for things uh, that I've watched here in the yeah, last couple weeks. We, so I we were way too nice about like Oscar awards movies and this last episode when we recorded like eight years ago um and i'm ready to i've seen some shit now so you can go ahead and say the bullet train was shit we've been we've been watching a lot um i went on a covid binge of watching stuff and uh i felt like my soul was leaving my body um do still, and do you still have covid by the way no i tested negative oh. i man that's a good question to ask while, yeah, we're, all while we're already in here. a very close 
and find no. space well, to in, that case, in that case, I guess I'll dip. <laughs> no, uh, Ernest was just like, guys, I'm definitely cool as he's like on an oxygen tank seeing Avatar 2. Yeah. Um, like, I, I definitely, I'm good to go, guys. Don't even worry about it. Um, this might be the last episode we record this year, though. So hmm. it's uh, it's going to be the lead up to the holiday season here. Yeah. So how are we how are we feeling? Are we in the spirit? We do have Christmas cookies here that Hunter I brought. I didn't. I made some Try Christmas to, cookies. The, the thing about getting in the holiday spirit is you have to like force yourself as an adult. And I Christmas like happens around you when you're a kid. And that's why it's magical. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, you have to like you have to like bludgeon yourself to be like I, in the fucking spirit. I disagree a little bit. I think that the reason why we have to force ourselves is because we live in Florida and it's like 82 degrees right now as we're recording this podcast. Yeah. If muggy. we live somewhere where it was snowy and nice and you could like feel the changing of the seasons and you could like go outside and make a fucking snowman or something, then I feel like I would be more into the Christmas spirit. Uh, for but me, it was it's always hard when I'm like wearing shorts and walking around. Like, should I go to the beach this weekend? And it's mid December. <laughs> right. For me, it was all about the break, and the break's just not not quite so fat anymore. It used to feel like a whole month you would get off of school. Luckily, I get a big break. Really, my employer is very generous, and they're like, you know what? We're just going to shut it down. <laughs> that rocks. I know it's great for Hanukkah. <laughs> right, it's almost Hanukkah, my my guys. What do you want for Hanukkah? Avatar? <laughs> Night one, Avatar. Night, Night two, Avatar again. <laughs> Night two, The Way of Water. Night three, Babylon, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about, right? Yeah. Don't, don't well, spoil, though. We won't. Yeah. Um, so those are the two big ones. Those are, you know, last time we recorded an episode, um, at the end, we said that those were like the two big movies that were still on the on the docket to to watch and as of this recording now hunter and i have seen them both avatar and babylon so we'll give some brief thoughts um to get drew and the people excited for cinema yeah drew so i i've also watched a lot of bad stuff i know that ernest has watched bad stuff too do you want to like build up to the big show or do you want to like blow quick and then do you want us to get like me to uh fall into chaos as i have to talk about the whale for like 30 minutes i don't know 30 minutes how, how much a you lot hate of darren aronofsky i have a lot of thoughts about darren aronofsky and how i think that that guy should uh stop and just go to therapy hey requiem <laughs> cool uh just get into it which one which one do you want to hear about first <sighs> It's really which one do I want to hear about least so we okay. can get it over with. I don't want to hear about Avatar. <laughs> okay, so Avatar. Let's, so let's get into it. Okay. Avatar. 13 years in the making, Big Jim has been tinkering away at his old computer. I don't know why I did like hammer and chisel. <laughs> he's literally that's maybe this is why it's taking 13 years because he's like trying to type out a script with a hammer and chisel on his MacBook and he keeps breaking it and he can't figure out why. Um so the original movie 2009 here we are 2022 finally we get a sequel um is this the long this is the longest gap in cam man's career right yeah not only that but this is like probably the most expensive movie ever made yeah and um you know we've we've been avatar has been this whole joke on the internet you know and i've been trying to like 
buy into this hype, you know, and like really think, make a think, show of it. I think you've been succeeding. <laughs> you haven't been just trying. Well, you were you were ahead of the curve a little bit because Avatar has had an interesting life where it's kind of gone full circle where it was it came out. It was the biggest movie in the world, quite literally the most successful movie ever made. Then three, four years go by and people are like, God, Avatar, the blue people movie. And it got clowned on for a couple of years. It coincided. The like joking on it uh, came whenever Pandora World opened up at Animal Kingdom and Disney because people are like, they're making a whole freaking subsect of Disney about that. And it's like, guys, there's a song of the South ride. Like, get over it. You'll be fine. Um, so Avatar then got shit on for a couple of years. And now it felt forced at first. I'm not going to lie. The like we the need resurgence. To, we need to like rekindle the magic yeah. of Avatar. We have to go back to Pandora. Well, it needed to be forced because it had swung so far in the other direction. Yeah, we're like true. Avatar is bad. And Everyone, it's like, no, Avatar isn't bad. Yeah. Like, Everyone, especially in our generation, because we saw it when we were basically kids. And then as we became, you know, young adult teenagers, um, it was like we were being gaslit into thinking that this movie was trash. It's yeah. I think a lot of it is he doesn't. I think I may have seen this point on the Internet, but I agree with it. Some some Cameron content doesn't age well with a newer generation because it is not. It is, it is so deeply serious, like it's self-serious in a way. Yeah. Where, like he's not trying to wink at you in any way. He's like, this is a big ass fucking movie. Mm. I did it. And he's made some of the best movies ever made. Aliens, T2, Titanic. Like he's delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the he abyss. had a couple. Yeah, he had a couple little more low key, like true lies in the in the abyss. But even like he doesn't miss is the thing. Even when he does something more kind of subdued, like it's still a good movie. But then in in the last 20 years, he's only made two movies. So it's like there's this heft to it. And then now knowing that not only is this the second one, but we're also getting a third, maybe a fourth and fifth one, too. There's this insane baggage around it. And now finally, we have seen it. Hunter, what did you think? Um, I so I think that this movie had a very simple job, but it was a very difficult task for it to do. The simple job is that it had to get people to buy back into this world. It had to say, hey, welcome back. Welcome back to Pandora. And not only did Cameron kind of Cameron doesn't need anything. He's fine. He's one of the most successful directors of all time. But Disney fucking needed this movie yeah. with how they have fumbled the fucking bag with Star Wars. And now with Marvel, like this year of Marvel, right. Disney was looking on the downtick. And let me tell you, the way of water is the fucking antidote that <laughs> that Disney needs. Shout out to big Bob Iger Woo! coming back. Woo! And Big Jim and Big Jim coming in again, to save yeah. the day. He, this he, movie he came back and Jim Cameron was like, let me finish this. You know yeah. what? I was about to throw it away, but I got this. He was for, about to hit you, delete on Final <laughs> yeah. Cut. And then it was just like, no, 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 no. Our, our um, screening got postponed a day. I was worried for a second. Which, I was like, oh, shit. Did he 
<laughs> Did he shut it all down? <laughs> well, no, because it was worse because at first we were like, oh, it's a projector issue. And then we found out later on that uh, the <laughs> the film cut that they sent to our theater was so like encrypted that they couldn't unlock it to yeah. show the screening of it, which God. is just insane. Um, there have they, to be two people at two different keyholes across the room. <laughs> at yeah. the exact same time. There needs yeah. to be a naked man in a submarine just like <laughs> reaching. I... So the way of water, we'll just get out of the way now. Um, this movie fucking rules. It is dramatically better than the first movie, in my opinion. Like, I think I think Avatar, I've been a little bit of a victim to the roller coaster that it's gone through where I've been like, I saw it in theaters. I was like, that's really cool. Even in the moment, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch that movie. Like, if that's going to age as well at home. Um and I didn't watch it for probably close to 10 years. Fired it back up a couple weeks ago. And it's really good. It's a very, very basic movie. It is a movie that is made for all people. And that's kind of the magic of Avatar. Is yeah, like that, the lowest common denominator. Yeah, well, it's a movie that it's understandable regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity and where you live in the world, what your class is or anything. Avatar is made for you. And to the point where it gets shit because it's like kind of so baseline and so bare bones in its story while also telling this like very convoluted like if you actually think about the technicalities of like how this avatar works then you know whatever you can dissect that to your uh to the ends of time but the way of water it is also a movie that's made for all people but i think that it's kind of delivers on the promise and on the magic of like what this world oh. is better than the original. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to be like, now this one, it's not for Filipinos. Yeah. <laughs> some, some random. Let me tell you. Excluded. It's Let me for tell everyone you. except the yeah. Chinese. I'm sorry. If you're Portuguese, like <laughs> stay away. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, I've been, I've been building this one up, you know, I've been fully blue pilled, I've been drinking the big gym tea, the full on Pandora Kool-Aid just going through my veins. So there was it was almost like I was I was either setting myself up for failure, like there was no way I was overhyping it to to death or there was no way I wasn't going to like it. So I kind of ended up somewhere in the middle (laughs) where I love the movie, but I am seeing clearly some of its flaws Mm. and i think that it's so much of it is undeniable like so much of it is like this is the kind of movie that only james cameron could make like it's just so massive so spectacular the vfx tech is unlike anything you've ever seen in your life it just is absolutely stunning um and he respects his audience. He knows that it's not enough just to do big CGI punch fest. You have to get people to actually care. You have to give them, you have to respect your audience enough to know that if they're taking time out of their day and, and paying money to go see your movie, that you should give them something to care about. And this movie fucking does that so well. And th- there's, there's an entire hour at the end of this movie that is nonstop action and it's him just cashing those chips 
it's like let's fucking go dude that this is why what you're here for and you care you care about everything i think that some of the flaws come in like some of the characters it's a big big cast there's a lot of new characters and even at three plus hours it kind of struggles a little bit to kind of get you invested in all of these characters by the end of the movie there's like two or three new characters that you really really care about um and you you know you've seen their whole journey through the movie but for a while there i was like man i'm i'm really struggling to kind of differentiate a lot of these blue people are from you each other. saying that all navi look the same <laughs> Ernest? what wow. the fuck dude you can't say that this movie was especially for you right, right, right. uh supposed to learn something um, and there was there were so many moments where hunter you 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 we're sitting next to each other we couldn't help but just like chuckle they were just <laughs> oh, like some of the dialogue some, moments are some, so good they're so corny there's and like, so much corn well but that's the thing okay so i my comment coming right out of this movie is this is on a lot of ways for good and mostly for good but a little bit for bad this is kind of like a uh uh, James Cameron's greatest hits. Yeah. Like there is Little elements Titanic. of every single movie that he's done in here. There's of course, very obviously James Cameron, like passion for water uh, down to that. They're the way of sinking ships. And, th- but the exploration of water in this movie is I like it actually genuinely brought a tear to my eye. The it's first incredible. time that you go underwater uh, watching this in Dolby 3d, which by the way, I'm not a 3D person. I never see 3D movies. Go out and see this movie in Dolby 3D. It's the most gorgeous thing that like so I've crisp. ever seen. It's so uh, beautiful. It's like you can reach out and and touch but these not, sea creatures. But not in like a whoa, I'm coming right at it's you. It's a kind depth. Of way. Um it's like you're in the in the yes. tank. Uh but going back to that, I, there's elements of of course the water that's throughout uh James Cameron's career. There's a lot of aliens in Terminator. Uh, especially like T2 kind of vibes in yeah. here. Um, and the dialogue is just kind of that classic 80s action corn dialogue. Yeah, just where it's movie, just like, like it's just the way people just talk in a these movie. These aren't real people yeah. what I'm seeing here. The way Stephen Lang, every line of dialogue that he has is like deliciously yeah. corny. The fact that he's even in this movie <laughs> when his character died in the first one. to the heart and... I, I, are we, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything like that, but the setup for how they have both Stephen Lang and Sigourney Weaver, who also you know, dies in the first Avatar movie, and they bring fine, them back. I guess we're spoiling Avatar I'm not, 1. I'm not, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I haven't seen Avatar 1. <laughs> You've never seen Avatar? <laughs> no. Anyway, um, I'm going to head out. <sighs> oh my God. What is happening? What's happening? <laughs> Drew, do we need to pitch you on going to Pandora? No, please. It just it there's a lot of this movie like visually it's just kind of undeniable. I think that's the thing that I was almost baseline expecting that so it's not something like I can pat Jim on the back too much about this. He made a whole fucking big deal about how like guys it had to take uh, 12 years like I couldn't fully right. realize my vision. Uh, so I was expecting it to look beautiful but it still somehow surpassed my expectations visually. There aren't there weren't any like ugh, rough sequences in this movie. Like there are an avatar. Now avatar still for the most part holds up really well, but there's a couple creatures. I'm yeah. thinking specifically of like the, 
jungle jaguar creature yeah. that's like too slick. It looks like like a PS4 graphics right. almost. I, I mean, honestly, there are a lot. There's a lot of stuff in this new movie that does look like the best video game ever yeah. made. Uh, there's a the uh, greatest PS5 fucking <laughs> graphics all the way maxed out. There's a very early set piece that happens in this movie where there's like a train that blows up that looks like a PS5 cutscene. Um, here's the thing though. Uh, PS5s are getting very good with their graphics and yeah. so therefore this looks good like it looks like yeah. a game cutscene also I mean the high frame rate which is the thing that we should that's, mention that's a whole um, thing I mean a lot of people have been talking about how that's that takes them out of the movie you know is the variable frame rate because it's not like this entire movie is in 48 frames per second it kind of jumps back and forth between 24 and 48 and that jumping back and forth can be tough sometimes to see a shot that's like very smooth and then cut to a shot that's like a little bit more choppy a little bit more motion blur and then back to a super smooth um sequence i think that's tough and i could i could feel that back and forth kind of herky jerky we we're talking a little bit it's similar to when you see a movie in imax mm -hmm. and you're cutting between like the full frame and the letterbox yep. in the same scene it's it's like an augmented version of that feeling um the high frame rate stuff at least in our dolby 3d screening looks incredible yeah it, it adds so much realism and fidelity to the image um, that it makes the, the 24 frames per second stuff kind of look worse, but I don't know. I kind of wish that they would just pick one, like maybe just have 24 or 48. I, I don't know what the decision is behind having it kind of switch back and forth. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know, like the technical know how that went into this 250 reported $250 million movie. Um, if I had to guess, I'm going to say that it costed it cost more than $250 million. Um, but yeah, no, to your points about kind of the IMAX quality, how like I whenever I first saw this, the difference, the kind of flipping back and forth between 48 and 24 frames per second reminded me specifically of whenever uh, if you're ever at home and you watch The Dark Knight, uh, The Dark Knight was one of the first like big, big films that's notable that shot a lot of sequences. Dark Knight Rises. Um, yes, Dark Knight Rises. Um, they shot a lot of sequences in IMAX, but it does the same kind of thing where it's like it's wide cut, wide cut, wide, wide, it's wide jarring. cut. cut. Yeah, and it does kind of take you yeah. out of it a little bit in the action sequences. I think that this is handled better. Oh, uh, much then better. again, we were in a theater. So I whenever I'm noticing these things about Dark Knight Rises, it's now watching it at home and being yeah. used to uh more consistently shot sequences throughout an entire action scene. But I think that's similar to those movies. This is going to change the way that movies are made for better and for just like for the worse. first avatar. Um, like there's going to be so many movies. Think about the big push in like 3D Blu-rays after the release of Avatar. And most of them are fucking awful. There's going to be so many movies that are going to try and do the high frame rate thing where especially because not only Avatar is the greatest example, but that uh, night sequence in Nope is shot in 48 frames per second.
And that's an entire scene. Well, that there's a lot more going rate. on there. There's well, like infrared cameras. Right. But I mean, like yeah. as far as like we're now starting to use high frame rate in films and it work well. I think Hardcore Henry, that movie from a few years ago that did the first person. Yeah. Jamini Man. Uh, yeah, uh, that had some high frame rate in it, but that's like handled in the bad ways. This is it actually executed correctly. And we're going to see a lot of movies that are going to try to use this style. The problem is... Um, no one else is James Cameron. And right. the whole time while I was watching the last act of this movie, which like you mentioned is a giant whole action battle. It's fucking is incredible. How cohesive and well choreographed it is. Yes. You can, if you look in the background of shots, you can see extras just like punching yeah. each other, like trying to do things. The entire and, well, frame the geography is, of it too. Just like you know, the the yeah. good guys are coming from this direction, the bad guys are in this direction. You know, there's this structure, and and then they're coming up on it, and it there's stuff happening in there, and it also it gets split in half because like there's a lot of stuff happening in the daytime, and then it kind of turns into nighttime. So you have this constant like dynamic movement to the sequence where you're invested you're emotionally hooked the stakes are there it's all incredibly coherent yeah and i mean this feels this is on a foreign planet uh and it feels so much more concrete and tangible than any Marvel property exactly. has ever put out like yeah. i just can't he's, he's just showing us how it's done he's coming in and being like even Big Jim's home. Even at its best. Like, think about the end of Avengers Endgame. Put that movie on and look at the background. Don't look in the foreground at the characters that are in focus. Look at everything that's happening in the background. It's just red mush. It just <laughs> all kind of blends together. Every, well, it's, it's every Marvel thing just has this. Yeah, it all yeah. has this kind of flattening effect that there's no depth to it. This movie has so much depth. It has so much lived in it feels so lived in this world and i think that that's kind of the magic of james cameron that he this has the same thing as the first avatar movie where we do get a big old chunk of exposition right there at the beginning and it yeah. does kind of if you're gonna cut anything from this movie it's that we take 10 minutes off the top yeah. there uh it's just, it's it's just more avatar it's like, a lot of like all right we're we're back in the floating islands yeah, it's again. very much uh, three move three hours of a yes. movie the, the first hour is like all right we're just continuing the story continuing these characters setting up new characters in this framework second hour we're introducing the water tribe which this is i uh, the the third act is amazing the action set piece the second act is my favorite thing i think that's like incredible character work and that it is the thing where it down. has it's so much better character work than anything that's in the first avatar movie and it's because the kids are really fucking good i think the smart movie the smart thing this movie does is that uh i'm so sorry jake sully you are not the sole interesting protagonist of the story we meet so many other characters that are frankly just much more compelling figures yeah. like mostly i I mean, Sigourney I think, Weaver is Kiri. Uh, yeah. I just it is a little bizarre to doing. see the voice of a 70 something year old woman come out of a character that's supposed to be a teenager. That is very bizarre. Yeah. But, you know, um, the, <laughs> the best thing about this movie for me is as it slows down in the second act, 
it asks you to care about these sea creatures mm-hmm. and it introduces you to these whales. Um, I don't know the fucking oh. Pandora name for whale. I'm sorry, James Cameron. Um, but there's this new resource. Uh, it, they're essentially like they're, they're whalers. They're whaling is the, what the humans are doing. <laughs> Uh, good goodbye unobtainium. Your old news. Yeah, the new substance is is this whale um, oil, and the fact that the movie that slows, essentially like stops aging, like it's like something oh. from like their brain matter that like stops aging. So like a vial of it is worth like hundreds of millions of dollars. It's it, the movie slows down to show you this in 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 a lot of detail and be like, all right. This this is a huge part of your emotional investment in this movie is that the humans are here to kill these whales and it's incredibly effective and you care so much and you're just you're just so emotionally hooked and going into this third act uh, that is like this hour of nonstop action. Not only are you invested in the family in the Jake Sully family, but you're invested in the, in these yeah. creatures and this world. And it's, it's fucking great. That's man. Cameron just fully in his bag. Oh. It's just him just fully just like, it's yeah, so no, good. we're also going to have an anti poaching plot yeah. line in my movie here. He's just the best man. This is just, I, this movie just kind of gave me uh, that great blockbuster feeling where I was just like smiling for so much done. of this movie. I was just like, this rules. Yep. A good this blockbuster is just a fucking makes, blast. A good blockbuster makes you dumb. Like when you're watching it, it, yeah. ma- it makes you just go like, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, I cackled exactly. at some dumb <laughs> No, no, that's lines, how like, we were. <laughs> also, like who cares? That's like, what Top Gun did. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, it. I mean, this movie isn't, it doesn't handle the the kind of the the dumb monkey brain in the same way Top Gun does. But that's because James Cameron is trying to fit in more ideas in here. And if anything, there is a little bit of like, is this movie two movies kind of sandwiched together in one? Yeah. Because we have to like reintroduce you to the world and also introduce this whole other world. And I mean, yeah. it makes sense. You got to do a lot of shit. It's been fucking over a decade. So but how do you feel about the next one. Well, that's the thing. I'm all in. I cannot fucking wait for Avatar three. And right. that's why Avatar two is the way of water is such a success is because like I'm back in, I saw a whale speak and they had papyrus <laughs> subtitles. I'm fucking good. The man. Subtitles, papyrus yeah, subtitles to a whale. Dude. And I just started clapping in the theater. I was and like, let's fucking go James. And you're so just emotionally invested in these <laughs> yeah. fucking whales, dude. It's so good, man. It's crazy. Another another thing I can't stand is the placeholder posters for the next three avatars on Letterboxd. <laughs> oh, it's just A three, A four. Yeah. Pro tip though, you you can rate those movies now. Okay, good. I just gave Avatar five three and a half stars. <laughs> okay, oh, no. no, that makes sense. Did you hear? Did you hear about? Uh, so the w- one of the great gifts right now is that we get. James Cameron in press tour mode, which has just been such a delight. And he just does not give a single fuck. And he said that he received one uh, studio note for his Avatar 4 script. Oh. And it was, holy fuck. <laughs> 
That rules, man. What a guy. I'm I'm so happy we have James Cameron back in our lives after 10 years. This fucking rocks. Um, yeah, I'm imagining he got like a physical script back to him. With, and on page like 148, there's like a little red mark. This is holy, holy fuck. fuck. <laughs> Avatar 4. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, are, is is humanity still going to be alive? I know. Like, the future is just not real. The studio's like, yeah, have fun with those. <laughs> I mean, they're coming out every two, every other year now. Yeah, Avatar so, three is Avatar three wrapped. I know um, that it's like well, filmed. The, the, I think the VFX are going to take fucking forever. Well, I didn't know how much like if they've. Well, I didn't know like how long ago they finished filming Avatar three because I, of course, VFX take years on yeah. this project. Well, I mean, based on based on this movie, it really seems like the. They're setting up these kids to be like this massive story. Like they're mm-hmm. probably going to age up these kids. There's probably going to be a big time jump where we see these kids sort of like, you know, grow up throughout the course of this entire new story. So I'm sure that, you know, if we get to see Avatar four and five, it's it's going to be way, way down the line. Um, but we're big fans yeah jim cameron good job good you job did it we recommend the movie i'm sure it's going to be a big hit um it's definitely one of my favorites of the year it's maybe gonna make my top 10 it's it's a very competitive year yeah i was gonna say we're gonna get into it this has been a fucking great movie here yeah. man there's a lot of i had a movies. spot reserved for it <laughs> i saw it i loved it i'm like Okay, we'll see. Like we'll see between you and Black Adam for that last spot. Right, right. Higher your power. Um, so that's Avatar. Let's talk real quick about Babylon. We okay. can't really get into it too much because this is still yeah. a few weeks away. Don't yeah, don't it, babble on. It, I will. It won't. comes out on uh, Christmas. I think. I think In this limited? is a Christmas release. I think it's. I think it it's limited it's probably, Christmas wide. Yeah, like, in January. Yeah, like first week of January. Uh, um, it's the new Damien Chazelle movie. My most anticipated movie of the year. Um, coming off the heels of First Man, which was widely forgotten. Uh, Everyone just for fucking the real passed ones. on the that The fucking one. real ones are out here and know that First Man is a incredible movie about tortured men. Will, will <laughs> people pass on... Babylon, just like they pass on First Man. Um, not so, for the, not for the same reason, right? No, not so even here, close. <laughs> the Academy absolutely will. Uh, I think that even I don't know if mass audiences are going to dig this movie either. Uh, I'll speak for myself. Uh, I think this movie is like a borderline masterpiece. Um, I think that this movie it mm, is like his second best movie, right behind Whiplash and. I think both so of too. them are kind of perfect. Yeah, I don't want to overhype this because this movie it's got so really different. It's so different than anything he's done. It's, it's closer to La La Land than anything because they're both about like Hollywood, L.A. But in tone, it's in t- it's like the 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 ugly mirror image, the the distorted, broken mirror image of La La Land. I yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I. I, I agree with that, but I think that it's kind of so hard to compare this. You have to go outside of Chazelle's filmography to compare this to things because uh, this movie is just batting. It's it's playing a different song to use jazz analogies uh, than anything that 
Chazelle has done to this point. Like it, yeah. it's, it's just kind of, it's a comedy like this movie is funny and I did not think Chazelle was capable of making humor. I thought that he was just one of those guys where it's just like, I'm very serious about my cinema. I think that films need to be important and dramatic. And this movie is like, had me cackling at yeah. certain points. It is. He basically says, so, fuck it. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. It is the most, it's almost like Damien Chazelle made a Buzz Lerman film um, of just yeah. going all Ooh. in on the ridiculousness and Spill. the just over indulgence and excess and every yeah. little thing. And that's going to turn a lot of people off, especially because this movie is three hours and nine minutes long. And it's a lot of fucking movie. It's a lot of movie. Yeah. It, it it's like this weird um, marriage of uh, Wolf of Wall Street and Boogie Nights. Yeah, a lot it's, of Boogie Nights. It's basically Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights. It's like if you take the plot of Boogie Nights and transpose it into like the roaring 20s. Yeah, LA. late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. So it's it's Margot Robbie. It's Brad Pitt. It's this new guy named Diego Calva, who's pretty much the core of the movie, the lead of the movie. Mm. Um and yeah, it's it's the birth of cinema. It's the birth of Hollywood. It's how it's it's the time in which movies started to become a thing, and and and, and Hollywood started to grow and explode as this mecca of artistry and commerce. Um, and there's this there's things that this movie does that I don't I don't want to give away that really blew it it blew my mind. Like I, there are things in this movie that I was just like ready to stand up and fucking cheer in the theater because I was just so gobsmacked. Absolutely fucking just gobsmacked. And it's not a perfect movie. I, I, I can feel a lot of the criticisms and, and you know, a lot of the people we saw it with did not like it. Mm -hmm. And I can see where they're coming from. Um, but man, this movie just fucking goes for it. Yeah. Goes for it. The ideas that it has on its mind, the way it uses the transition between the silent era and the talkie era as this, this breaking point and, and this, this thematic through line for the story that he's trying to tell about these characters and their journeys and the journey of Hollywood and cinema mm -hmm. as a whole. Uh, and the idea of like Hollywood being this place that was that was real and became artificial. Incredible. There's just so there's so much packed into this fucking movie. It's yeah. it's it's astounding. It's it's amazing because it kind of feels like Damien Chazelle at this point kind of has not like a blank blank check because his movies aren't necessarily profitable, but I think that he has about as blank a check as any auteur does at this point. But if you watched Babylon, you would think like, oh, he doesn't think he's ever going to make another movie again because it feels like he's throwing everything yeah. against he the doesn't wall. think anyone should make any movie ever again. <laughs> it's the it's, last movie ever. It's the last movie. Um, <laughs> no, I... Uh, I cannot wait for people to see this movie. I want to talk about this movie again with Drew once he's seen it. Cause this is a must watch. I Drew. also, there's like so many spoiler things that I have about this movie. That's just like, I just want to talk about this movie with people yeah. and some of the ideas that's going down. Right. Cause it's like the, 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 the time the Navi jumps up and fucking. Yeah. 
just obliterates. Yeah, the fact that there's a six year gap that you go into a vat while watching this movie. Um, okay. I'll tell you, I'm going to watch Babylon. I'm not going to watch the 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 blue guys. I'm not going to check it God, out. <laughs> it's James Cameron. It's the guy who made Aliens, Drew. Uh, yeah, but then I would have to watch the first one and... I, I can't believe you missed out on I, I Avatar just, 2009. How did you watch? How did you miss out on literally the most successful movie of all time? I was I was watching like I thought that we watched that movie in theaters together in high school. No, I, I like that. that I was watching like the late late show with Craig Ferguson. Or oh, something. well, OK. Cool. That on makes DVR. Sense. You know that what? Sense. Those towels actually cool. directly overlap. They only played uh, right. showings for Avatar at 1130. I was busy that day. Yeah. One last thing on Babylon. Um, the cast is incredible. It's probably the best written characters that uh, Chazelle has ever had in a movie. Um, especially it's his best Margot female character Robbie. in any movie. Margot, Margot Robbie. Robbie. Um, Every I'm, fucking scene. I'm about to plant the fucking flag on Margot Robbie for best actress because she is. Uh, I know Kate Blanchett is Lydia Tarr, but Margot Robbie in Babylon is so fucking good and playing such a dynamic role that I just think that she can literally do no wrong. Um, Brad Pitt is fully in his back, like late stage Brad Pitt since uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm just all in. Give me the next like 10 years of just everything yeah. that this man is doing because hey, he is me, in his fucking Me and Ernie bag. have a great movie to, to sell you on. Then, it's uh, called Bullet Train. <laughs> dude, oh my God. Wait, he wears oh, a silly bucket hat. He's in that? Oh my God. Yeah, he plays a weird oh. guy. <laughs> uh, and then Diego Calva, it's like a Star is Born moment for that guy. Like he's going to be something. Yeah. He's, he's too good in this movie to kind of fizzle away. Yeah. It's it's one to watch. I'm excited to watch Babylon. December 22nd. I think it's limited. December 22nd wide. Really? Okay. As far it's, as I can see, I'm seeing okay. a lot. Of, will, I'm seeing a lot of dates. Okay. Here's yeah. the thing. Uh, this is a Paramount movie. Paramount's weird uh, and kind of. This is all they have, though. No. Are you? They they, need, they have a little movie called Top Gun Maverick. That's, that's all, gonna that already be best came picture. out. That already came out. No, but though. I'm saying, like, in terms of like what they have right now. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I think that it actually is bad for Babylon that Top Gun is still doing so good because I think otherwise Paramount would really throw their weight behind Babylon as an no. They're going to go. They're going to go hard for Top Gun. Oh no, yeah, and you have to. Top Gun has yeah. a legitimate chance at winning Best Picture. Uh, Babylon does not because. No. Uh, uh, the olds are not going to vibe with this. Oh, movie. no, there's some, right there some things that happen in this movie. <laughs> there's, that- <laughs> there's also a lot of like, this is kind of if uh, movies like the Fablemans and Empire of Light are like the shot that's, oh, movies are good. Movies are incredible. This is the chaser that's just like, actually, cinema is going to ruin you yeah. and it will destroy us it's, all. But it's also the greatest. But thing it's that's also ever been beautiful. Made. Yeah. <laughs> shot and chaser. That's yeah. I can't wait for people to see we'll, this movie. We'll talk about it more. It's it's one of the best of the year. I do need to mention, I need to talk about Empire of Light because I did see that and I haven't talked about it yet. But before I do, let's throw it over to Drew because you haven't talked at all this podcast. <laughs> so what are some things that you would like to talk about, Drubles? Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the menu since you and I have seen it. The menu. This is finds. weirdly becoming like a a late push kind of fan favorite 
awards movie. This movie made money in theaters. Yes, a little did. sleeper hit. Uh, yeah, I was in a packed theater seeing it. It's it's meant for theaters. It's meant for like a pretty broad audience. You saw it at the Enzion? Um, no. Okay, just regular commoner movie theater. Yeah, I saw it on. Yeah, I saw it in like a dirt pit. <laughs> yeah, no. So did I. So did I. I did not peruse the <laughs> local art house. But, that, this is where this movie is meant to be seen. Yeah, You're supposed is, to see it with the commoners. This is not an art house movie. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. you are, you will die. <laughs> they will murder That's you. That's a good point. Um. So yeah, this movie is. You know, you can you can summarize a lot about the movie by just describing the trailer. Uh, so it's not I, I don't feel like we're spoiling to say that it's starring Anya Taylor-Joy and Rafe Fiennes and Dan Stevens, who uh, I'm a big fan of. Mm. Um, and it's like a weird horror comedy hybrid. Wait, are you thinking about Nicholas Holt? Oh, fuck. They are so they are one two of them, Brit boys. The one of them guy. is the beast. fucking fucking British people. One of them is the beast, Just, and the other one gets cucked in the favorite. Yeah, Nicholas Holt is like the like loser brother of Dan Stevens. <laughs> right. Um, Nicholas Holt rocks. He, yeah, he's, he does he's rock. a great actor. He's very funny. He's hilarious in the favorite. He's he, hilarious in this movie. He's really I love funny. his character. He's really really funny in this. Uh, this is a funny movie. It's it's very straightforward in what it is offering you. And if you are interested by the trailer, then may I offer you the movie? You know what I mean? Uh, Although I did feel like the trailer was selling like a cannibalism movie, kind of. So I had that thought while I was watching this movie is that I was like, is this take a horror turn? It doesn't. It's it not doesn't. about they don't eat the people. It's it will and it well, it's definitely not cannibalism. It definitely takes a scary turn. Like it's it's I wish it had gotten scarier, to be honest. Right. Um, it kind of it kind of just stays in like a mid movie feel throughout like through the end of it. Yeah. Um, and that's where it sort of lost me a little bit. Um, but all things considered, it's still a very it's like worthwhile. It's worth watching. It'll be good to watch at home. Right. Um, it'll be whenever it hits streaming, it'll be a super solid night for you. You know what I mean? It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't become like a an intense horror movie. So it, you can it ex- and it, it explores uh, themes that are you know very hot right now to be explored and you know well it's directed by Mark Mylod who directed a bunch of Succession episodes yeah so. exactly so it it has a lot of that and it has a lot of like class exploration um, it it sort of only engages with those ideas on a pretty shallow level I guess. Um, I guess I don't know why I I don't know maybe I'm just not being fair in in what I expected of it you know what I mean like this this movie doesn't need to go super deep in order to be successful it I could have though it could have and I was telling you guys earlier I couldn't help but compare it a lot to Triangle of Sadness which is another uh sort of very dark comedy that explores themes of class yeah and and I I was I that movie is only aged better and better in my head as i've separated from it there's not much to think about twice with the menu yeah it's just it's what it's what you think it is unless you think it's cannibalism in which case it's not, <laughs> it's not at, that. at all <laughs> it's good in though which case uh may i recommend to you bones and all which is a cannibal did movie. you see that yeah i did see the bones okay and good all. the the real the real thing to talk about with it though is is rave mm-hmm. he okay i have a big bone to pick because it is revealed in the last chunk of the movie that he is supposed to be a Midwestern fry cook. 
Ray Fiennes is the most English fucking person in the world. That's true. They're like, He's not from the hey, American Midwest. Hey, can you be Ralph for this one? Can we call you Ralph Fiennes? Ralph, Ralph Finney's. <laughs> um, that that much is fair. I don't. I wouldn't blame him necessarily for his his guys. It's insane miscasting. I was like, what are we doing? It's it's the thing is it's. Yeah, it's once you book him, you rewrite. Yes, because because you can't recap. He is the whole reason to show up and watch this movie. Right. He is. He is so good. He is so he's dialed up. He is he is broadly comedic and also tragic. Um, He has. I mean, his he plays his guys up. I and I'd imagine the same way he does in Grand Budapest, where he has he just has this inherent emptiness in his face, right. um, while still being really expressive. It's it's a perfect face for uh, a lot of roles that an older man can play. Yeah, um, he's phenomenal. He's fucking phenomenal in this movie. And and the role, his role, his character is linked inherently to the overall mystery of the movie because mm-hmm. you're it's the the main setup is this kind of high-end restaurant that's on an island and all these rich people go to eat there and he's the chef there and essentially like something weird is going on and as you discover what that is you also discover who he is and and what you know about him has led him to make the decisions that kind of move the plot along um and that's a pretty intriguing premise for a movie especially if like you're into this idea of high-end food culture and it works as a metaphor for just art in general you know pretentious art and cinema you know whatever whatever analog you want to assign would you guys would you guys do this would you guys go to like a little uh, drew you're the biggest foodie out of the three of us here you're the one who's always like what if we get to this new tapas place (laughs) would you would you do this would you go to like an island just specifically to eat some food the the lesson that this movie teaches you is that that is all bullshit (laughs) it's it's well over a thousand dollars a seat at this at, at, in this particular instance i i wouldn't spend that on uh like i wouldn't spend that to like save someone from like human trafficking or something you know what i mean <laughs> <Jesus> like <Christ. laughs> i wouldn't spend that on anything um <laughs> much less can i um however yeah they do a good job it, it's almost it, I, th- I think the filmmaking is supposed to balance out the takedown of food culture because you are looking at very interesting and like well put together f- dishes. Yes. Um, and that so that's supposed to be the part that makes you at least because I don't think this movie wants to tell you that like high end food is just dog shit and you deserve to kill yourself if you like it. Right. right there is right. a lot of that in the movie, though. There's a lot of like, yeah, isn't this all fucking dumb and it's all posturing? Yeah. Um, well, you, you find out throughout the course of the movie that these specific people are there for a specific reason. Yeah. And he the chef does care about his craft in an artistic way, like a deeply artistic way. And so he is insulted by each and every one of the people who have attended this. Um, And they will meet their untimely demise. (laughs) Would, does the food look like on a scale from one to ratatouille, how scrumptious does this fucking food It's all shit that you would look at and be like, wow, I'd, 
I would be really hungry after eating. No, that. dude. Some of it is. Oh, there are man, some dishes. Ooh. There are some dishes that are just like that's not even food. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's it's the like, most pretentious bullshit yeah. I've ever seen it's, in my it's fucking so life. Over the what top. am I supposed to eat? A fucking rock. <laughs> A twig on a rock? What the fuck is this? It's like way over the top, like <laughs> stupid food. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you make a burger and the burger look good. That's, I love that. Look greasy. I wanted a cheeseburger so bad. Yeah. The burger looks phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, I'd say serviceable. She does a good job. I wouldn't say she she's like levitating above the movie. Um, she... She came in and did her thing, and it's always good. She did her... Her big eyes, yeah. Mm -hmm. It is cool seeing her go up against Ray Fiennes. Like, that's a good pairing. It is. I feel like that's why people are going to see this movie. Just on the idea that it's like, oh shit, it's that girl mm-hmm. and that guy. I went same It's like movie. an old school and new school yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> I showed up for John Leguizamo, <laughs> who does rock. Yeah. He he's, rocks. He's oh man, he's I funny. Love he's, he's good. I like his part. I like him. There's in the, the guy from um from Broad City. Yes. Um, I, I always forget his name. Chipmunk looking guy. Mm-hmm. He's great. Yeah, there are a lot. Of, there's um, there's a bit player in Succession. The one who I think the one who owns Valter in season one when they sell it. The Asian guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Hong Chao is in there too. Yeah. The, the yep. sous chef. Super, super solid ensemble. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Not all of them have a ton to do because their characters uh, kind of one note a little bit. Yeah, exactly. They, they represent one thing. Yeah. And yeah. And then if depth is revealed, then that is the second thing about them. Right. And (laughs) we will not go deeper than that. And that's fine. That's okay. Uh, I feel like I'm being mean about this movie. No, it's it's a solid little movie. Not every movie has to be like this big thing. If you're just looking for like a down the middle good time, it's going to get the job done. I did want to mention real quick, um, since you're just shouting out people, just going back to Nicholas Holt. His character is um, one of my favorite parts of the movie because his entire character is like he's the guy who is the most invested in this restaurant and like the idea of this restaurant yeah, the guy who fucks with it so hard yeah he's like he's such a fan he's like the biggest fucking fan of this chef and this restaurant and as shit starts to go down he's still yeah <laughs> so invested and then you find out why <laughs> right because i was like why the fuck is he not like hey i wanted to slap him right and she does because i was like hey brother shit's going on here and then you find out why he's acting like that and it's i it's think that great. that was a great turn it's great yeah there's a lot of, there's a lot to like in the movie i was a fan great ending too you know for for as kind of like rickety as the movie gets it it, it hits a good little button. I would at say, the end. you know what I would say? Have it with it. Watch it with a beer, you know, yeah. watch, watch it with a brewski, a wine. Is that why, do you think it would be like a good home movie? It's like, you're just yes. hanging out. It's Chilling. like a date night. You like dinner yeah. and a movie. Maybe take like, notes oh, on some of the recipes, <laughs> you know, have <laughs> yeah. a chat. Okay, like, oh, yeah. could we do that? Yeah. Oh, oh let's make an emulsion. honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm always trying to do this with guy. I'm like, guy, if you just bought me a blowtorch, mm-hmm. imagine what I could do with that. Wait, thing. now I need to know um, if Rin actually, Actually wanted to make any of the dishes in this movie no okay <laughs> no, nothing stood out as like oh that could be a fun date night no because she works at a very high-end nice restaurant that makes like very like solid food right. you know like edible dishes <laughs> of, of food <laughs> so it wasn't hitting 
It looked nice. Oh, did she not like the movie? No, she loved the movie. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I was actually lower on it, but I think it's just because I'm. I've realized farther and farther from Triangle of Sadness. I, I love that movie. I, I think it hit a lot of notes that I want from any movie that's going to try to explore a rich people take down, yeah. which is a lot of, a lot of movies the last couple of years oh, and, yeah. and moving forward. In the post parasite world. Rightfully so. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's ripe territory. What if rich people bad? I, I remember that movie, the hunt guys, where it was like, no. what if rich people hunted poor people remember for the, sport? It was Damon Lindelof. Yeah. Try to forget about that. Yeah, no, I know. I know you want to forget about it. I won't let you. Well, sounds like Triangle of Sadness is a lock for Drew's top 10. Hey, um, is so something else a lock for our top 10? <laughs> I don't know what you're teeing off to. I could pitch you things that definitely aren't a lock for my top 10. Okay. Do you have do you have something in mind? You're um, queuing up. <laughs> You, I don't, I'm not picking up what you're putting down. We do not, we normally have an outline that we're working off of a little behind the normally, scenes. Normally, normally is a strong word. Okay. <laughs> well, sometimes we have an outline that we're working off of. We're just going fully shooting from the hip here tonight, folks. So, uh, well, okay. So um, hold on. I did. What do you have that's a lock for your we, top 10? We have to talk about the whale at some point. All right. So, um, I can go ahead and tell you that the whale is definitely going to be a lock for uh, the Bottom worst 10. 10 movies I've seen this year. Um, you, you don't like, well, you hate Brendan Fraser famously. Uh, so here's the thing. Brendan Fraser and Hong Chow uh, save this movie from being unwatchable. I think that both of them are actually truly excellent. And in a way that I'm not, mad about any plaudits that they are getting especially like brendan fraser is doing it's such a physical performance but it's very it's very sensitive in a way that brendan fraser has this kind of sensitivity to him that's makes him such a great movie star especially in the late 90s early 2000s when he was really at his peak um and so i'm so happy for him everything that he does what i learned while watching the whale is that i just don't fuck with darren aronofsky I think that Aronofsky is just not one of my guys and that's okay. I'm happy for some people who like Darren Aronofsky. Uh, but for me personally, I don't think that every movie has to be the Bible. Um, that's just a little quirky thing about me um, is that I think that everything doesn't have to have an existential breakthrough of uh, God good, but maybe church kind of bad. Um, I did not respond with this movie whatsoever. Um, I found this movie to be like, Honestly, a little bit, uh, a little bit offensive at parts. There's been uh, some really great pieces coming out about this movie since its release about how it's kind of setting like fat phobia back uh, backwards. Uh, it's very, very insensitive. I think that some of the performances outside of uh, Brendan Fraser and Hong Chow are really bad, especially uh, Sadie Sink. Uh, most famously from Stranger Things. I'm not going to entirely blame her because her role is essentially to be the worst person that you've ever met in your entire life. <laughs> uh, a person she's plays uh, Brendan Fraser's kind of a strange daughter. He hasn't seen in 10 ish years or so. Uh, and she just like takes pictures of her fat dad and posts them on the internet. It's like, look at my fat piece of shit dad. He should like fall over and die. Shouldn't he? <laughs> So what's what's um, bad about the movie? <laughs> <laughs> so I, it 
this movie oh my god um what the hell dude this movie's awful i i hate it this way i gave it two stars on letterbox and i kind of want to drop it um this is what happens when you get famous for doing art house in your 20s it's that is simply too young to get a you should head that big no yeah because the thing is darren aronofsky uh he doesn't believe in the word subtext he has no idea what that means every metaphor that he ever tries to put in his movies is just fucking thrown in your face um down to the point and this is one of the things that bothered me the most about this movie so this movie is about it's called the whale and the metaphor kind of with the title is about moby dick fat guy oh uh the reading of moby dick is like a 12 year old's reading of moby dick it's like moby dick is actually about big whale and ocean and it's like, Jesus Christ, my guy, like you are so incapable about of getting out of your own way whenever you are making one of these movies. This is not an Aronofsky script, but oh, uh, I know it's based on a play. Yeah, it's based on a play. And this is it has big play energy. It it totally feels like something that was written to be like on one. It, the whole movie takes place in a house. It all is on one set. That was one um, of the the worst things about it for me. It, the, the, the movie doesn't move it's yeah. locked into this one set and you have this great performance at its core but it's just locked it's just stuck and it doesn't get to to evolve or move or grow like at least mother mother was set in that house but that house changed and moved and mm-hmm. shifted and was constantly like evolving into different scenarios and even though you yeah. were in that house you you really weren't this doesn't do that. You're yeah. just in the same set the entire movie. And not to take anything away from movies that are able to be set in one location. Cause I, there's plenty, I'm sure I could think of plenty of movies that are set in one location. Like I had one in my top 10 last year, fucking Bo Burnham inside. Yeah. That's how you make a movie in one room and make it feel like you're in a hundred rooms. This movie doesn't do that. And it just, you're stuck with this kind of, lifeless script but i was i was higher on it i gave it three stars just because i felt like brendan was giving a truly incredible performance and he elevates it like higher than it otherwise would be but yeah the script is just the entire movie i was like i don't care i i don't care do you agree that sadie sink is like awful in this movie I think no. she's I think she's like terrible. No, in this movie. I, I it's not, not entirely her fault. I don't bl- I mean, this is the only thing I've ever seen her in outside of Stranger Things. So I'm not going to dismiss her as an actress. It's the writing, but, man. Um, I don't think her character is just so bad. And I just hated everything that she was doing. I really hated um, Samantha Morton in this movie, too. Like both of them are just playing it so hard. It feels like every line reading they're doing is that like uh 12 second clip that before you see like nominated for best supporting actress. <laughs> like everything every single line reading feels like they're trying to do the most do you think in um the worst ways maybe it's because they were both like having to dodge darren's advances during the entire time um, you ever fucking think about that you pig uh yeah so it turns out uh maybe it's good that aaron aronofsky is not my fucking guy because he's a piece of shit uh, um so do we think so are we are we ready to say that aronofsky is like lost in the sauce like yeah i mean <laughs> 
Are you ready to say that? It sounds so, so like you're I, I rewatched it. Requiem. Like I wanted to say that definitely, but <laughs> I, I rewatched Requiem last no, last month, and that the thing that struck me on this watch is it has a phenomenal feel to it. Like the pacing and the rhythm of it is is what you come away Builds. feeling. Yeah. yeah, and it just like anytime it needs to cut, it cuts. And mm-hmm. it, like it just it just has. I don't know. It has the feel of a great filmmaker. And sometimes if you have that when you're really young, it's really easy to lose that. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen enough of his newer films to say whether or not it's just gone, gone. I didn't hate mother. I didn't like mother. You know what I mean? Mother is bounds better than the whale. I think. I don't know. I, I think they're, they're bad for different reasons. Brendan Fraser is miles better than any single element that's in mother. Uh, like I, I said it before on the pod. I think the J Law is awful in Mother. Um, hey, one of our first episodes. Yeah, and go back in the archives and listen to my thoughts yeah. on that. Um, I, I also think that as much as the whale annoyed me with the metaphors being on its sleeve, um, boy oh boy, a uh, little film for you called Mother. Uh, if you thought that the whale is heavy-handed with its mm-hmm. biblical analogies. Biblical, biblical allegories. Um, mother is just like, we're going to uh, reenact the scenes of Exodus in front of you. So he didn't know before mother. So he's on he's on a three movie streak now of kind of doo doo. I'm pretty sure. And, and then before um, Noah is Black Swan, Black Swan, which was great. I think that's great. Yeah, it's movie. black. It's I mean, he was really hitting his like quote, Black unquote, Swan, the wrestler. Peak. Um I yeah, still when did Wrestler I, come out? Two thousand six. So it was Requiem, the Fountain, Pi Pi Requiem Fountain Wrestler Black Swan. Um, if this is a movie uh, like the first Aronofsky you watch, uh, you probably won't want to dive into his filmography after watching that. Also, but, I but would please watch Noah. Yeah, the one <laughs> I, everyone's climbing for. Can't confirm nor deny if that movie exists. I know. Um, he did also direct an episode of Welcome to Earth on Disney Plus, <laughs> the cool. Will Smith uh, travel show. Cool. I have no idea why. Woke. Um, How did he get roped into that one? Yeah, I. Uh, so I, we do not recommend the whale. I strongly do not recommend the whale. It honestly would be one of my locks for the worst movie of the year if there weren't. Uh, if Brendan little, wasn't good. Well, yeah, if Brendan wasn't so good um, and if there weren't a couple of movies called uh, Jurassic World Dominion, uh, Dr. Michael Morbius and oh, a did little you get, fella. Did you get your screener for Morbius yet? Uh, yeah. And uh, for your consideration for best picture, for your consideration <laughs> for best doctor. Um Wait, I did want to say, since you brought up uh, Jurassic World, the other day I was sending an update, as I do in our group chat of our Fantasy Film League. Um, it was a big week this week because we had the Critics' Choice Awards. I'm, a lot I'm of gaining. points there. Yeah, I'm, I'm gaining. You're building. You got, tar, you got Tar and Women Talking, which mm-hmm. are building. Those are good. But I sent a screenshot of the highest scoring movies and... Uh, Jurassic World would have been on that list if it wasn't for the Metacritic Dude, multiplier. I, the thing <laughs> that is the movie that has lost because I have a column for the subtotal before you do the before I do the multiplier. It it gained a lot of points because it made a lot of money, 
and it's lost. It's the movie that has lost the most points because of the reviews are so this bad. movie made a billion dollars i was right whenever we did our whole thing we had our little bidding for these stupid movies i bit like a quarter of my budget on fucking jurassic world dominion because i was like this movie is going to like sleepwalk its way to a billion dollars and it did what i wasn't expecting it was for it to be like one of the worst movies of the last five years uh which it is it's just that bad which who would have thought that a movie about dinosaurs would be this dumb and bad that people are like, even commoners are like, fuck this movie. People in my family who like, like everything watched Jurassic world dominion were like, yeah, no, that movie sucked. It was bad. Tough. Um, and there is one other movie that um, I can talk about. That is actually lower than the whale on my list. Okay. <sighs> have you guys heard about a torture genius? Named Bardo. Oh, fucking Bardo. Have you watched this movie? I yet? did watch Bardo. Yes. Uh, so fuck this movie uh, is my thoughts about this movie. There's a lot of tough shit in this. Fuck movie. this movie. I hated this movie. I like truly despised everything that I was seeing on the screen. I was just like ready to walk out of this movie and be like Alejandro Gonzalez and Yuri is a fucking hack. Um, yeah. Well, you I, you're not allowed to say that about Mexicans. So. Uh, oh no I'm however, actually, you know what? however I'm actually, Ernest is yeah Ernie you can say no I'm actually not allowed to criticize him because he criticizes himself right because <laughs> it actually turns out that actually if you, everything you said is actually in the movie he's like uh, he's like that's that scene in 8 I, Mile where Eminem does, disses himself yeah. so the I, other rapper can't exactly. so that's literally he, he that's literally what Bardo is er, Drew when I tell you that this movie Hunter's it's, getting worked up it's it's in your E2. Uh, his name actually isn't Bardo. His name is. Uh, yeah, his name isn't John Bardo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling him John Juan Bardo. <laughs> as friend of the pot, Harry called him. Um, this movie is calling coming out uh, tomorrow as of this yeah, recording. A false Chronicle um, of a Handful of Truths. Bardo, comma, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. So the whole thing with this movie is it is uh, in your E2 grappling with like, yes, I'm this genius, but like am i even really good at my art form Damn. um it's all told through the eyes of uh this one actor danielle um jimenez cacho i might be butchering that name i apologize um who i think he's pretty good i will say he's giving a pretty solid performance um this is like the worst script that i've listened to in years it is the most self-righteous the most self-indulgent pretentious shit that i have ever heard in my entire Pop life off. it Pop is off. it is a fucking kaufman movie if you've never actually seen a kaufman movie and you've only read like spark notes descriptions of what makes an andy kaufman or a, a charlie kaufman movie um i think this movie is just like unwatchably bad and we watched this with or uh, we didn't watch this with friends, but I talked about this with some friends who like think that this is one of the best movies of the year. And I just don't yeah. get it. Joseph like, Salomon, you've been put on blast. I just I just don't get it with this movie. I think that this movie is like it's it's offensive to me how <laughs> bad this movie is and how like hold on the let whole cook. premise. The whole premise of this movie is just like I'm such this tortured genius that like. Uh, am I even good? Is everything I write just like stolen and unoriginal? No, I'm a genius, but maybe I'm <laughs> not so much. And it's 
self-criticizing in the moment. So then you actually aren't allowed to undercut it with your own criticism. Actually, he'll he'll shut off your vocal track. He'll yeah. hit mute. He literally, when people criticize him, he fucking he silences the haters. He literally cuts the vocals out of their voice, out of their mouths while they're speaking. Let's go. It's, it's so epic. I I didn't hate the movie. It, to me, this movie was just like a big shrug. I was like, nah, it's fine. I think it's noble that he casts someone uglier than him right? to play him. Yeah. That's very rare. Yeah, it's rare. Yeah. But when he wears a suit with sunglasses, I was like, that's Alejandro. That's him walking around in the desert. The dance scene is the one thing that uh, is is kind of fun. That's in a this good. Movie. Yeah, it's a good moment. It's one there's little so many sequence. moments like, yeah, the, there's a sequence. There will be sequences tied that together. I wasn't out on this movie to begin with. I should say, like, I kept trying to get this movie to win me back in moments. I was staying open to it. I actually have a lot of time for Birdman. I really enjoyed that movie, uh, kind of despite some of its faults. Uh, I hey, don't man, have as much time for The Revenant. We had fun watching that movie in 2014. Yeah, no, exactly. We really were in movie. it. I can see where it's listed. It's not. I mean, it's pretty like upper third ish on my best picture watch uh, my best picture ranking like i i like that yeah movie. you rewatched more recently yeah, yeah. Okay. i it holds up not terrible in my opinion the performances are awesome in that movie this just doesn't work man it just i don't think that like a single fucking thing of this movie works i think that it's just it's so overly indulgent in a way that is just like this is this is the worst kind of thing that you can make when directors are out here. Everybody's trying to make their fucking passion projects right. and everything that they've been like leading up to in their entire lives has led to this film right now. And like when your instinct is this self-reflexive, defensive, like, oh, woe is me. I'm this tortured genius artist like. Dude, fuck off. Go to therapy. I don't care. I don't have time right. to watch your three hour like sob story. Three about your hours. Life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's two hours and forty five. OK, no, two forty five. Yeah, really? that's that's oh, too Christ. much. No way. No way. Yeah, no, it's it's tough for your little Netflix. Especially when we have when we have the Fablemans out this year, which is like in the same wheelhouse and it's just done so much more like classically the, the fablemans is a movie the thing about bardo is it this this like isn't a movie this right. is just like a collection of just scenes and well, it's, a, it's a false chronicle of a handful of truths <laughs> <laughs> there's one sequence in this movie where i just completely bought well. it and i i'm gonna spoilers for bardo right now uh just very minor spoilers skip ahead like 45 seconds if you just want to skip this part um it's the kaufman scene it's the scene when they are like having the on top of the pile of bodies and then they call cut and you realize that they're actually they've been on a movie set this entire time and i said fuck off <laughs> i said like i don't i don't care Chica, what? well yeah that now that i think about it that scene is like one of the scenes where you're just like you're kind of on the edge of your seat a little bit and you're like oh my god where's this movie going what's it about to do yeah and then it just like decides to do that and you're like oh well it's now i don't care undercutting <laughs> itself in a way that's so frustrating this movie was just a frustrating experience at least whenever i watched like morbius i wasn't frustrated i was just like <laughs> i was like bored at points and then just like laughing at the like idiot like the idiocracy it's of it all but time. it's 
this movie is just like it's frustrating because like in vague 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 theory there's something here there's some kind of concrete ideas here and it just whiffs on every single thing so i hope that this movie fizzles away into nothing i really hope that the academy and people do not watch this movie it doesn't get a second push because i have this gut feeling (laughs) because directors and the academy love in your love in your he won back-to-back best directors and I just feel like this movie is not going to disappear in the way that die. I want it to. And we're going to have to keep talking about fucking Bardo, false chronicle of a handful of truths. And we'll I'm still, I don't think I'm ready for I, it. I, I think it depends on whether or not Netflix wants to push it. Cause I think they're just going to go all in on glass onion. Cause they, so. they, they, Bardo's not happening and white noise isn't happening. Um, uh, unfortunately, the new bomb back movie, which I also saw in the fucking middle of a COVID fever. <laughs> Um, had no idea what was going on. <laughs> hey, I watched it uh, sober and healthy, and I don't know if I know what was going on, but I was like, I love this. So, uh, Bardo's not happening. So they, there's there's a couple things here, like going back to the fil- the fantasy film league. Like when we when we did that, I put Bardo on my list. I put White Noise on my list because those seem to be like kind of the consensus possible big hitters and they both fucking fell so flat like my mm. team is so cursed that's well that's the downside of getting a netflix movie is yeah. if you pick netflix and you pick wrong your movie just doesn't happen right. like you just get like a zero i mean right. it'll be on the top 10 for like a week or two but otherwise and that's it it's gone like you aren't getting the push at right. least of like maybe this will make 50 million dollars but it's it's interesting that th- there's a lot of movies that people thought were going to be kind of obvious players that are just not happening um, and one of those is Empire of Light, which I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about real quick. It's the new Sam Mendes uh, movie. Uh, he, you know, hit big with 1917 a couple years ago. And now he's back with his, um, you know, cinema is important his, his movie. But it's his, not about his life. It's <laughs> it's not. A, you, did you see this movie? No, I haven't. Seen it's not about yet. his life. It's it's just it's a it's Olivia Coleman And it's about this woman in the 80s who works at a cinema um, and she discovers the power of cinema and she develops a relationship with a younger man that works there with her. And the movie we saw it, the, the, the press screening for it was a while back ago, and it's it's just now coming out. We saw it like two months ago or something, but we're just now able to to review it because it comes out this holiday and man it's just not it it's just not (laughs) it i i think olivia coleman might be in the conversation for actress just because she's fucking olivia coleman the queen she's amazing uh and she's good in the movie but yeah it, it just didn't have any narrative momentum it just doesn't it never gets to a place where you just sort of like click into it to kind of feel it going it just sort of like slowly wanders around and there's some nice production design and maybe some good cinematography and score you know trent reznor and atticus ross and they're doing their thing oh it's a yeah uh, reznor atticus ross yeah. is it better than their bones and all score not even close okay good uh their bones and their bones and all score is fucking incredible rolls. um so yeah i just needed to to throw in my two cents in for empire light not for me I think it is going to work for a lot of people just because it is sort of like this very kind of middle of the road movie about a cinema 
It's it about seems like a really a good cinema. movie for like grandpas. Yeah. It seems like this year's Belfast. Yeah. It's just, it's it's just like, man, take like you and your grandpa just go into the movies and just watch yeah. Empire of Light. Like, pop, pop a Xanax, I, pop an Ambien, like <laughs> whatever. Take a nap in it. Walk into um, Empire of Light. I will say, I think that this movie is kind of dead in the water as far as award season goes. Yeah. I mean, things could still change, but the yeah, fact this, that this might be done. Margot Robbie got a nomination over Olivia Coleman at the Globes, which we haven't mentioned the Globes because, uh, that's a dead award show that's <laughs> airing their award show on a Tuesday night. Hey, Gerard um, Carmichael hosting. I'm excited. I love Gerard Carmichael. Um, we aren't counting it for the sake of our film league, so I don't feel the need Does to discuss exist. it here. Uh, but I think that this movie might be kind of yeah. dead. I, Coleman was the only hope for it. And the fact yeah. that she didn't even get a Globes nomination and the Globes are just about like putting famous people on right. the screen feels like a it's little crazy bit might be nail. dead the whale might be dead the sun might be dead the whale won't brendan brendan's yeah. gonna be running i think brendan still is the gap is closed a little bit but i still say he's the front runner over colin farrell you know who won't be dead look what i got <laughs> the black rabbit i got a little fyc box you must have gotten one of these yeah right? i got a i have a different funko pop so does Netflix, fyc does fyc mean for your children yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes so uh netflix sent a funko pop uh in their Which, guillermo del toro's pinocchio by the way i box. netflix going all out on their four-year consideration so box. i'm cracking this open funko for the first pop. time um it looks like it is i think you're gonna keep this mint in box well i wanted to box. but I could, I could tell that it was already open there was no seal <laughs> on the it hell so they gave you like a refurbished yeah. Pinocchio. Well, maybe Netflix, maybe Netflix put like a bug in it to spy on me. I hope so. So, so they can hear what you have to say. Now about we have Peter a Miguel Torres Pinocchio. A, look at that! Look at that little fucker. He's a little. He's a it's, little fucker. Honestly, it's a little freaky boy. And you know what? Here's the thing: is that Guillermo del Torres Pinocchio? It's got a few little freaky boys in it. It's a great movie. I recommend. It's a great it. movie. Okay. You into stop motion, Drew? You uh, want to go into the realm of uh, Italy? Of post war, of during war, yeah, Italy, Mussolini's Italy, <laughs> and see a little wooden boy. This guy, that's this guy, good. this guy is like he he is, I guess, in the afterlife. What is yeah. this? Like the in between of life and death. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it uh, the it's very Beetlejuice. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah, this is Bardo. It's that's oh my god, this is John is that, Bardo. Is that John Bardo, no, um. Yeah, Ernie, you were a lot higher on this. I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot, but you were really you're higher. I on love this my than monsters. I so, yeah, speak, preach on this. It's a it's a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pinocchio. We know the story. Wooden boy becomes a real boy. Seen it a million times. Never seen it like this. Never seen it this beautiful. Never seen it this kind of weird. And and uh, Guillermo, he just has a way of twisting things and making them strange and kind of con convoluted in a beautiful way uh Monsters. not yeah not that the movie's like hard to follow it's 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 uh it's pinocchio i mean it's the same story but it throws in these twists and it throws in these these kind of knots into the story that make it more interesting uh and the stop motion is fucking beautiful it's it's great i do have two questions for you one is pinocchio played by Polly shore no. Oh. Two. Um is uh 
<laughs> is Tom Hanks Geppetto. Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. No. So those are two different Pinocchio movies yeah. that also came out this year. No. Guys, we have to do the Pinocchio versus Pinocchio versus Pinocchio showdown <laughs> of the three 2022 so Pinocchio releases. GDT, we Disney. Zemeckis. Not just, it's not just Disney. It is Robert fucking Zemeckis made right. a Pinocchio movie this year. Welcome to Marwin. And then uh, Pinocchio colon a true story uh, featuring Polly Shore, Tom Kenny, John Heater. Uh, hey, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Hmm. It is a Russian film. Um, we have to watch this. Is movie. this, is it this, has the best trailer of the year. Is this your pick for winning last year's film league? Yes. Uh, is that we have to do all three of these. Well, we you get do, one. You get one. We have to do. Come on. You have to do a <laughs> Pinocchio v. Pinocchio. Drew, you're into that. You watch bad shit. When I not like that. <laughs> It'll be fun. When I father, when, I want to be on my own. When I win the our, our movie thing this you year, you have to beat Gaia, though. I think I can. I really the nominations are like we're the tip of the iceberg is right. all we've had nominations wise. It's going to be crazy. Um, I'm going to make you watch Noah. <laughs> the Darren no, no, no. not Noah, but just Hunter. <laughs> no, just <laughs> everyone else gets Scott free. Yeah, everyone um, else has ev- to watch. Everyone it. else watches like Top Gun again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, um, Drew. I just remember. There's another surprise gift. Look underneath the mannequin. There's oh. there's a black bag. No, no, no. On the floor. <laughs> on the floor. There's a black bag. Grab it. Show everyone what's inside the black. Oh my god! Oh my god! What does the oh. bag say on the front? Oh no! It's a black bag. I didn't even see that. Congratulations! Ah! It's, it's a crumpled up black poster. Did you get that at the press screening for Black yeah. Adam? Yeah. A screening that I was going to go to, and I said, "Yeah, I'm good." I'm all right, Ernie, you got this one. If I win the wager. <laughs> I'm taking this no. thing. I'm taking this motherfucker. Ernie, can you take down all of your posters here? And can you photocopy this and fill yeah. the entire room? I want to I want to go to work with like my shit in this bag. <laughs> <laughs> Just be like, hey guys, this is going. Anyway. Wait, 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 wait. Pick up pick up the poster again. Pick up the poster again. Let's 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 get a clear shot of that. It's that really, is that it's, is the hierarchy I, of power, guys. I forgot to tell you this. I'm going to tell you Spider Spider. No, never mind. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this live on mic. Um, so there's this I a newer guy that I work with at work. Uh, just you can, like, you oh, can yeah. put the poster down. No, now. no, no. I've, I've hold, had enough. Hold it up for the duration of this pod. Um, there's this guy that I work with uh, who's just like, <laughs> oh man, I heard you're like really into movies. You have a podcast and stuff. Um. I, I also I watch a ton of movies. I was like, oh yeah, they're like what kind of stuff? Are you oh, like? I love like, where this is going, dude. Have you seen Black Adam? Yo! <laughs> and I was like, first the off rip is this first one, <laughs> first one for off the dome. I was like, what movies have you seen lately? You really dug? Um, and he's just like, yo, dude, like Black Adam, like it's so much better it's than so- anything Marvel's done. Like it's oh. it's just like man, this movie is like that's his so only that's his action. only frame of comparison. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that's what killed because I was like, oh, you watch a lot of movies, huh? <laughs> cool, dude. That it's like, man, this compared to Thor four. <laughs> yeah. And that that is the base that is going to carry me to victory in this in this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot you got Black you Adam fucking on you. Black Adam. Yeah, well, here's the thing. That movie has made like a sh- ungodly amount of yeah. money. So it made so much money that they had to lie to the press <laughs> about how much money they made. 
Yeah, they had to lower it. <laughs> they had to make it actually it, it broke Avatar's record, and Disney bought out like all of the press in order yeah. to hide it. They didn't want James Cameron to find out. I should say one day I was really mad. I don't remember. I was oh, you know, I think I was going to go see. I was going to go see the Fablemans, and. I was missed like the first like 45 seconds of the Fablemans because I got stuck in line at the concession stand because everybody in the world was there to go see fucking Black Adam on Ew. a Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah I remember that um, night. I thought you weren't going to make it. I barely did. I had to like sit next to some strangers. It was gross. Um, okay. Pinocchio. Oh, we're back on Pinocchio. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Those no. are my thoughts on Pinocchio. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it's. I think that it's like really, really. Some of the stop motion is like just so beautiful. Yeah. It's so well done. Um, I like any issues I have with the movie aren't anything with Guillermo or the people. It's just like with the story of Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, that's why I'm pitching that we watch two other Pinocchios right, that came right. this year because I love the story of Pinocchio so much. Um, it's really good. I, I, I like it a lot. I don't know if I like it as much as Nightmare Alley, uh, his movie that came out last year. Yeah, I was I was thinking um, about that because like if I'm putting it in the Guillermo filmography, it's probably kind of mid tier. Yeah. Um, so you get movies that have aged well. Nightmare Alley, the movie fucking rules. The movie rocks so hard. It, I, <laughs> I always I always get put into these like kind of like head to head things in my mind where it's like I gave Pinocchio a higher score on Letterbox by a half star than Nightmare Alley but I think Nightmare Alley is definitely a better movie so I should probably adjust the Nightmare Alley do score you get into the this podcast is going completely off the rails do you get into the thing where you start comparing like if you're making your best of 2022 list you start rating things based on comparison to other 2022 films and not in comparison to like Citizen Kane, because oh, I do that. I, I to used catch to myself. do that, but no, I do that a little bit right I now. I stopped doing that. Like I have like ten ago. movies with four and a half stars that I know I'll come back to in like nine months and be like, eh, maybe I just drop a half star on that one. Yeah, um, I do that uh, well, a little bit right now. Yeah, it just I, it helps keep things organized on my list itself. Drew, uh, how's your list looking? Um, you get to ten yet? Succinct. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's looking truncated. <laughs> uh, number four. You're, you, you should just say dead silent, not say anything. Number four is like the worst movie I saw yeah. this year. <laughs> and then number five is like like Shark Tank. <laughs> it's just Wait, you single watch, episodes you of baggage. Black Adam. <laughs> just to put it on yeah. It can oh. be you're like, guys, it's time to talk about Black Adam. My, my list will be my favorite frames from Black Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, I'm ready to go. Oh my god. Oh Jesus Christ. Um so Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously I have very strong thoughts on Pinocchio here. Uh is there- no, it's a great it's a great movie. Um did you want to talk about anything else, Drew? White Lotus? Should we touch on it? Do we want th- this app? Um, yeah, let's touch on it. I Dr- uh, well, Hunter hasn't seen it. No, I haven't, but I, I will leave you guys. <laughs> like, is that a threat? <laughs> is it a threat or a promise? I mean, go right ahead. Uh, bye. All right. Okay, bye. Hunter's leaving. Have a happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. So, Hunter's gone. <laughs>
the Mike White Lotus. Michael White. Mike's Lotus. Um, so we haven't talked about this season at all, have we? No, we talked a good amount about last season. It was on both of y'all's top ten. Was it was this last year or the year before? Uh last year. Okay. But it shot I mean it shot like kind of twenty twenty, I'm pretty sure. Um pretty pretty quick turnaround, never nevertheless. Considering Mike White wrote and directed every episode and we're shooting remote. Right. Um, and because of that and because, you know, I was scared to get hurt was something I love so much as season one. I was expecting a drop off and I didn't experience it. I, I experienced it a little bit, but as the season went on, I realized how different it was. Very different. And how the fact that it wasn't focused so much on the money aspect because season one was very much about like wealth and these people's relationship to their wealth and each other's wealth yeah and how their relationships are defined by wealth yeah and how, yeah that's exactly. not what this second season is no this is about, about sex it's about fucking yeah it's about fucking and the power struggle therein and how and uh, yeah and how you can scam someone through fucking as opposed to through money Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that uh, for some reason, that took me a few episodes to kind of come around. Um, and to be honest, like, I don't know if the, the cast wowed me as much as season one overall, but there weren't any like misfires. Like, I can't point to anyone to be like, oh, you were miscast or you no didn't make sense like they all click together I've, even if there weren't standouts yeah i've done some thinking about this and what it's it's was just it was missing the supernova of the hotel manager in season one yes murray bartlett yeah there wasn't yeah. that where like it was just like every time he was on screen you were like holy yeah. smoke who won the emmy by yeah the way. um well yeah rare like perfect emmy selection yeah um this season doesn't have that this season doesn't have the fireball performance um but it does. Yeah, it does. Ha it's almost like a money ball lineup of people where it's like, well, what if we replace that fireball with right. like, <laughs> with like an equal amount, like proportioned great performances by everyone? Um, there are there. It's hard to pick an MVP because, yeah, you are getting a lot of subtlety. It's a show about subtlety in a lot of ways. Very much. Even um, more so. Yes, definitely. It's about little interactions. Um the point was made and I, I I really like it that you the reason it's so successful as like a couples show that, you know, the reason that it's, it's like an event for couples and just, you know, for, for yeah. people to watch is because you can watch it as if it's a reality show. Um, it Because like like in a reality show, you the big moments in those shows are the little interactions yeah. where you're, you're watching someone arch an eyebrow and you're like, oh, 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 holy shit. What the fuck? Does that mean that they does that mean they fucked? You know, it's. It's so much better, though, because in reality TV, you're always you're always assuming there's this buy in of like they're performing for the camera, which kind of is a disservice to the fact that it is reality that we're supposed to be seeing real interactions. But when you're seeing actors actually literally performing for the camera because they're playing a character, you're not ever thinking that because that's already that's a given in any narrative story so you are you you jump that hurdle from the jump and 
you're in a situation in which all of these people have are having interactions that are even more uncomfortable than they could possibly be because you're not thinking that they're performing yeah these interactions so, that so they're, they, they they become even more real which is so cringe so our ensemble is divided into what what is it three or four main groups you yeah. can say there's the three men yeah three generations of very italian men um who are living in america the oldest of which is f marie abraham legendary actor of stage and screen yeah. um, ha- having a, a little bit of a comeback right now he was in this netflix show called um the cabinet of curiosities guillermo del toro's cabinet of curiosities <laughs> so Pinocchio. Be- Pinocchio. between that and um white lotus it's like we're having a, a little bit of an f murray mm-hmm. uh moment mm-hmm. f murray kill who you got <laughs> um, and then uh michael imperiori yeah chrissy Motosanti. yeah um playing a very wealthy Hollywood person. Not I. W- I'm going to assume producer. I'm glad they never, never. Like, they don't get got in, into it. They don't get into any of these MFs jobs. Yeah. Uh, the, we'll get into another guy who sold a company for apparently a fuckload of money. Right. We don't have no idea what kind of company he. It's made. An, it's enough to have just fuck around cash. It's enough to have more money than his rich friend, <laughs> <laughs> who already just has it yeah. in, enough yeah yeah exactly who works in finance which is already a made-up yeah. uh field so and anyway the son yeah these the th- little fuck boy yeah so we and then yeah a little albie who's like i thought he, he was gonna, his character was gonna go off on a way more toxic uh route because they're all yes. yeah they're all sort of reflections of when they were raised and sort of like the well, of each other too yeah and the, the lessening like the generational lessening of being a horrible chauvinist like sex addicted pig uh, like f marie abraham is the worst of the three although you can make a case that multisanti is worse dude they're all bad i know they're 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 both really really horrible like sex freaks um the only the only difference really is that multisanti i'm just gonna call multisanti he he <laughs> he has the ability to pretend that he's not a mega pervert. Yeah. Um, Marie Abraham is like, you're hot. <laughs> um, you're a good looking woman. Yeah. And then little <laughs> Albie, who's like a, your classical nice guy. Yes. Um, oh, women don't want to talk to me because I want to fuck them. Yeah. Well, see that. What did I ever do wrong? Well, that's why I thought his character was going to go off on a way like veer off on a worse route. Um, he ends up being relatively sympathetic for this show. You know, because this show doesn't it's it, this show doesn't hate all of its characters, but it wants to give you two sides of every character. Right. Um, Mike White said this in in an interview. He's done a lot of incredible interviews because he's an awesome guy. I, I even go as far as to say Mike White loves all his characters. Yes. It, but he it, they're all incredibly flawed and yeah. they're all pretty terrible people but he handles them with a lot of care yeah his yeah he's he is fascinated with the idea that everyone is good and bad yeah um so, so we have those three we have um the two couples who uh who are vacationing together without you know uh, led by Aubrey, Aubrey plaza whose husband ethan played by uh you know buff incel guy which already like what the fuck like you and hunter were roommates in college so you don't know but imagine if i went 
on vacation with, with Josh. my yeah. <laughs> with Josh. Shout out to Josh if you're watching this. Like just completely diametrically opposed people. Yeah. That you're just like gonna go off on vacation well, together. Well, but if like it were to be like if if Josh found out that like the pod had gotten as big as it has yeah, and that exactly. you now are worth, you know, nine figures. Right. <laughs> um and then he's like, Hey, we should vacation yeah. together. By the way, I can manage your wealth. <laughs> um Yeah. So I mean there's there's a lot of layers to this and and I think that the writing you know mike white he does a really good job of kind of it's a great balancing act where he doesn't give you too much and he doesn't give you too little Mm -hmm. where you're never in a place where like you don't know enough about these people but you're never in a place where you know too much so when it comes to this relationship in particular you get the feeling that i guess by the end once you've seen the entire season that like maybe this guy uh not Ethan. Ethan is is the black haired guy. What's the other guy's name? Cameron. Cameron. You get the 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 feeling that Cameron just needs a friend, and he doesn't have friends, and it's because he he's he, too rich and too <laughs> fuck, and he needs to fuck all of their wives. Oh yeah, he he is <laughs> a that too. He, he what's what does Ethan call him? Ethan calls him out. He calls it mimetic desire. Yeah, he needs whatever other people around him with higher status need. Right. Um, but, it, that was a really well crafted. A lot of the more written lines that Mike White writes, uh, I don't love. That was a great one. Um, so you have these four going at it. By Aubrey the way, Plaza. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza is, is a really good. She's she's close to an audience surrogate, not quite, but she is. I think more than an audience surrogate, I think she's a Mike White surrogate. If you've ever heard him speak before, yeah, he is that type of person. He is obviously very perceptive and very, someone has who has come up into wealth. Yes, yeah, throughout suddenly, their life, and yeah. he's perceptive and he's judgmental. He's yeah. a judgmental guy. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, we're we're seeing a lot of things through her eyes, though not entirely, because she is also, uh, you know, she's thorny. Like she's not entirely likable, especially early on. She's really struggling to even pretend to be having a good time with these people. They don't have a good relationship. They don't. Yeah, she, no, her she is man's, not compatible with Ethan, and she doesn't handle it in the right way. Yeah, Ethan is like mega spectrumy, and he, uh, you know, he's a coomer. <laughs> She catches him jerking off. Yeah, he's jacking his shit all <laughs> all day, all night. Um, I want to talk about Megan Fahey, though, who plays Daphne. Because Fascinating. This is the fourth member of this foursome. The the you know the off put wife of Cameron, yeah. who at first glance you assume is vapid. Is, yeah, like an airhead, just the classic like yeah. unassuming, gullible idiot, yeah. and she. And even and it's from, not that at all. No. And starting even late in ep one and into ep two, you start getting she's dropping hints and, and through her acting as well. She's giving you looks of like awareness and forlornness um, that you wouldn't expect from this character. Um, and it's because she yeah, no one is just pure empty. You know what I mean? Uh, and Megan Fahey, like after after watching this, I was like, like I if I'm giving an Emmy for this, I'm almost giving yeah. it to her. Like she, especially the end. She, yeah, she turns a part that could be like, Oh wow. You know, Mike White, he wrote, he wrote this part. That's like low key, very interesting. She makes that character so fucking interesting. Yeah. Um, fascinating. 
the more the more that unspools about her like in episode three her and Aubrey Plaza, you know, go, go off. To the palazzo. Yeah, they, they go off and spend a night together and you learn a lot about her psychology and how she processes the fact that her man is cheating on her and yeah. she knows it. She has children with another man, <laughs> which the show never comes out and says that like that's part of like his writing style, which I feel like I I'm kind of torn if like I want to see Mike White just have this blank check from HBO to just do this whenever he wants or if I want to see him do other things because like obviously School of Rock is like one of my favorite movies ever. He wrote that and I've just I feel like we've never celebrated like his writing style. He's never been like this is it. Yeah, he's never been a guy with with the spotlight. Yeah, but he's always- there's moments like that where it's just like, oh, shit, like you're not coming out and like explicitly saying what's going on yeah. with this person but we can tell he is yeah he is very interested in the minutiae of like human interaction and there are no ton of vehicles that support that like especially in movies like school of rock is a big broad movie way different than this oh yeah and he successfully pulls that off too yeah because he's dynamic but this is like him doing what he wants to do um i never saw enlightened which starred um, Laura Dern on HBO yeah. in like the early 2010s. It didn't last very long and it, it had lower viewership, but it is celebrated by anyone who watched it. People like it. It gave him the the yeah. in the in to make this. Yeah. And it also gave him the end to get Laura Dern to voice Moldesanti's <laughs> yeah, wife for, on for exactly one minute. Yeah. <laughs> Which, oh, by I, the was, way, I was hoping we would see her. Oh, I know. I, 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 I didn't even look up who was, but I literally I, watching this with my girlfriend. I was like, great phone acting. Right. Who, yeah. who is that bitch? <laughs> she going to come up. Damn. Um, so, yeah, Mike White. I mean, Mike White is sort of like uh, uh, like one of my heroes. He's living he's living the, his ultimate best life. Yeah. He's been on The Amazing Race because he likes reality and shows. Survivor. He's been on a really good season of Survivor, by the way. Season 37, um, David versus Goliath phenomenal season he's great in it he performs well like he he does good on the season um he just does what he wants yeah um and i did you listen to the prestige tv podcast interview with him oh they interviewed him uh yes oh Post no. finale oh shit there's no way to talk about this show without talking about his insane psychology and what has happened to him because that informs all of his writing with this show um his when he was a kid, his dad came out as gay and divorced his mom. And he, wow. and so he watched his mom basically lose her life, like get torn apart inside. I think these gays are trying to kill me. <laughs> and so now he has a very, what you would probably call a cynical view of love. Yeah. Because he's like, I will not let my own narrative get derailed by like getting lost in another person. So he f- sees love and sex as sort of like a more uh, black and white, like transactional issue. Yes, rather- which, which is what this is about. Exactly. This whole season is about. Yeah. You, I mean, speaking of which, you get two hooker characters. Well, yeah. one hooker and her, you know, friend. Hooker to be. <laughs> hooker in training. Hooker light. Diet hooker. Yeah. I, I think we're supposed to call them sex workers. Yeah. Sure. And- Le, le prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. They they end up figuring way more into the story than I thought, which 
it does make sense though because they are all they do is just float around this hotel so they they weave their way into fucking everyone's yeah. storyline it's almost like a like a symbiotic relationship with the hotel yeah where it, they they both benefit off of each other it, yeah it becomes it even though you know the manager who has her own little plot line yeah um, i was i was hoping for more from her but i did like where that ended up where she hooks up with with um i don't remember any of the names Lucia, it's not Lucia, it's the other one. Mia. Yeah. Mia. And I was like, oh, yeah, know, that's cute. No, yeah, that was, it was very pleasant. It's just, we're coming off of uh, the lightning rod performance of the last ho- gay hotel manager. Right. That we saw. He, he, he's just on a fucking bender, just yeah. losing his mind. Exactly. Um, And now, and then Jennifer Coolidge is back. So I, I, I wanted to talk about this. So there, there's no way to talk about this without getting into spoilers. So if you've listened to this without watching the show, now's the time to, to jump off because this is this conversation is if you've actually seen the show. Jump off, but uh, watch your head. Oh, <laughs> kaplunk. Uh, so, yeah, this season is about the death of her character. And I did not see it coming. I didn't either. I didn't know. You're wondering the whole time, obviously, like that's part of the conceit of the show is yeah. who dies. I didn't know what I was expecting, but yeah, it's it sort of wasn't it wasn't her dying because the fact that she, I guess you could be, say that like, oh, well, if she, you know, she stuck around like she I bet she's going to have a really crazy exit from the show. But I was thinking maybe she just is there every year. Yeah, just they just plop her in because we've heard apparently she's really good friends with Mike White. Yeah. So why not stick around and go to all these beautiful locations where they are going to shoot? Um, but even hearing Mike White in the post interview talk about it in the in the HBO Max, like when you just let it play. Yeah. And he talks about how like that was the conceit of the storyline for her character. The the entire reason why even bring her back was to give her this ending was yeah. to turn her into this Italian operatic yeah. tragic death, which again is so killer because anything that i felt that the show was missing it finds when um tom hollander comes in and i believe episode three and and it's done so genius because any other show would make it so obvious and i was i mean and this is a show that like even if you're watching kind of passively it wants you to be thinking about like hey who's getting fucked here who's getting scammed well that's his writing style and yeah. every turn there's so many moments where he intentionally turns the dial up of like hey this is yeah look at this there's a, this, it's a, this, this is, they're gonna die it's a show about people taking advantage of one another and they they start the whole show by telling you that multiple people are gonna die and you don't know if there it's it's one single death event or if like separately like all three of these storylines lost a person right so it could be anything and even with that i i was instantly suspicious of tom hollander don't get me wrong i of knew course. i knew for a fact he was playing her because why the fuck would he want to hang out with her she's so not she's so stupid well you you are suspicious but initially there's no reason to be suspicious on the surface yeah obviously we're trained to be suspicious of a character yeah. like this and the show you know the 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 machinations of the show because we're in the season two and all of this and mm-hmm. we're active viewers we know to be suspicious but yeah. just looking at it on the surface 
there's no reason to be suspicious yeah, of that he, guy. Yeah, he just seems like a guy who's like, hey, I like what you're wearing. Do you want to like come like chill with us? Yeah. <laughs> Palermo. Um, and even even the the Haley Lou Richardson character and her relationship mm-hmm. with. Um, what's this fucker's name? I don't know, but he's also one of English I, broad. I would call him one of the best three actors on the show, too. He Especially the final episode dude he when it's revealed exactly what he's got going on this guy's a find wow um jack jack yeah leo he, woodle i i was mind boggled by how like the amount of depth in such like again such a like a surface level looking character but from the jump i was like first of all the surface level he is knocking out of the fucking park like this like this like bubbly yeah this like extrovert yeah and he has like this like lower class like essex type accent you know and it's like damn he is putting the moves on our girl i thought but we think he exists just to cuck albie yes well that that's how he's introduced like that two episode stretch where you're just every time we cut to her storyline we're just like so happy that she's hanging out with this suave man that's so flirty and the next episode it's like "Mm, are we sure (laughs) it's like it's like you put yourself in her shoes and it's like you're riding high Mm -hmm. you went on the best date of your life you had the best fucking sex of your life it was fucking amazing and then the next day you're like i don't know yeah (laughs) and just and the same way that like us as viewers are thinking hmm it's episode like four or five yeah and we're riding really high (laughs) (laughs) are we going to continue really yeah um yeah so he he yeah he exists to distract her from uh from you know away from yeah what's her name jennifer coolidge's character yeah um you know, so that they can play her bitch. Tanya. I did not um, put together the entire scheme, which does involve John Grease. Right. Which is crazy. Which rocks. <laughs> it's very smartly done. The it, prenup. And it shows that there is this isn't just a lot of like loosely thrown together thoughts, you know, by Mike White, which it very well could be. And it would still be wildly entertaining. Um, that's like quite the scheme to cook up is this is a. Like uh, Tom Hollander is a a gay man who fell in love with John Grease in like this the eighties in Wyoming, and John Grease is straight. However, they are still in cahoots, and in fact have like killed all of his wives, <laughs> <laughs> killed killed all four of his wives uh, to get their fortunes. That's so crazy. That's good as hell. Holy shit! That rocks. Um, so so I want to talk about like the big scene in the finale because I thought that was so well done. Like once she figures out what's going on and she basically realizes that she's stuck on this boat with these gays that want to kill her. Mm-hmm. I think these gays are trying to kill me. And this is this is the beauty of her is she she's like really good broad comedy. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Coolidge, like the scene where she, you know she's walking insanely slow and then right when she like thinks she leaves frame she starts like sprinting <laughs> sprinting up the yacht and then she comes back and does the same thing and she's like this this boat's really big well she so so we didn't even talk about the i think it's the episode before where she like meets the mafia guy and they do a shit ton of coke yeah and so there's like there's all these other things happening but yeah and then she watches <laughs> tom hollander get fucked in the ass by his nephew yeah 
So she's on this boat and they're clearly like they've already been partying for days. So she's probably like feeling it. And then she's on this boat and she's probably had a lot of wine, Prosecco, you know, what have you. And her acting is so good. She's so good at just being like on the absolute thread of sobriety. Like she can't. She is on the the fingernails of sobriety. Like her she her character is already <laughs> on so many pills. Right. Yes. <laughs> so so she's she's all over the place. And then she realizes these gays are trying to kill me. Mm hmm. And then this fucking mafia guy comes back on the boat and she realizes that she's not going to make it. You know, he's there to kill her. And the moment where she grabs, she runs and grabs the bag and runs into the, the room and opens it. The It's the one of the funniest moments in the whole season where she opens it and it's like this stock like goon bag. Just like it's what they hand you at goon school. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she goes like item by item. She's, She's like, like oh, duct tape, black rope, rope. <laughs> duct tape. <laughs> it's it's like the 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 introductory syllabus for goon school. I know. And um, <laughs> and she, there's a gun in there, and she grabs it. And the way this is shot is so good where the camera just stays on her as she mm-hmm. walks out and fucking shoots all of them. Mike. So Mike talks about this, too, in this interview. And it's it's genuinely exactly what I would thought he would say, um, because he is he knows his own limitations. And so he was like, partially, I just don't think that I'm great at shooting action. Like he's good at shooting characters. So he was like, what if I shoot the character through the action? What if I just stay on the character? Um, because a, it makes it a lot less corny. Like it, yeah. it, it, you're what's in line, what he's been doing this whole time, which is just letting your mind fill in the blank. And she is really like you, we need a, a, a turn emotionally from the humor that we've been experiencing yeah. with her this whole time. And we get it because she's really acting fucking terrified of what she's doing in the moment. You're, you're not, you know, we're not getting a cutaway of bodies. We're just watching her like, oh, my fucking God, I just shot, <laughs> I just shot another guy. Um, it, it works. It works on all levels. It's it's I don't know. It's a very inspired choice. I think it it's a good it's a good send off for her to then uh, pass away by just like falling. Yeah. So it's the most Tanya death you could have possibly written, which is she kills all these guys. Tom Hollander's bleeding out. She asks him if Greg cheated on her. <laughs> like, because why is that important? But of course it is to her. That's what the whole season is. You know, it's like it's like sexual stuff is just like more important in our brains than anything. Yeah. Even though she just fucking murdered a bunch of guys. And then she's trying. It's this big yacht. It's a big fucking yacht. And there's a little dinghy. There's a little boat on the water. And she's looking down at it and she's like, I think I can make it. I think I can jump down to it. It's a big jump. That's like that's like almost a story. It's like pretty much a, a story up. She's been drinking and she's been drinking and she's she's vibing off that adrenaline. <laughs> right. Of just like of shooting like going five on. guys. She could have done literally anything else. <laughs> she could have used the rope that uh-huh. was in the bag. She could have jumped into the water 
first and then into the boat. There were like 15 other things that she could have done. She's so stupid. <laughs> She's, she gets the win yeah. of killing her would-be killers and then immediately face palms onto <sighs> the boat. Done. And it's, yeah, it's a good death. Um, it's it's an incredible story that was unexpected because we already thought we had sort of enough to chew on, on by episode three. Um, like I said, I was sort of just thinking by then I was just sort of thinking, yeah, there's just sort of something a little bit missing. And then we get that entire arc, which is meatier than any of the other arcs in terms of we're getting locations from them. Yeah. You know, we're going places. Um, I, I, Tom Hollander. Wow. Uh, he, he knocks it out of the park. He gets a little sinister there without, without cranking it up too high. Cause you don't want to get to the point where it's just like, Oh, this guy's obviously evil no but he is he is playing a perceptive character very perceptively as an actor like he he understands how people move right when they are good at reading people and reacting in the moment like it's it's a perfect like he he has like a quarter second buffering time of thinking of the right lie to tell her yeah yeah, which is like really really good if you're lying and also like not perfect like he he just he's I don't know. It's hard to it would be hard to think of a better way to perform that. Yeah. Um, and you can tell he's getting frustrated, too, but he still has to. He can't let the yeah. it's, a, it's a very good performance in that um, there's layers to mm-hmm. it where you can tell what the emotion that he's holding back. Yeah. That's a, always something very key to look for in, in a good actor is like when they act something by not acting it. Exactly. By holding it, the, by holding the reaction back, but you can still see it. Yeah, I was, I was wondering why people were like freaking out that Tom Hollander shows up, and he, yeah, he delivers like a high, high level performance. Um, again, I would put him in like the top three as well. I, for me, it's it's Daphne, him, and uh, weirdly this little chav who's fucking him in the ass. <laughs> also, Aubrey. <laughs> I think yeah. she's great. She is. She's really great. Um, a lot of great reaction shots all over Twitter of her. Yes. People and, are loving her. And she, I mean, she, she's playing someone whose feelings are ambiguous because she is trying to figure them out in the moment. Does she want to fuck this guy? I ha- had an inkling from the jump that she definitely did. Um, however, you don't always get that from her because she does hate I him. Think, I think when she says that they made out, that was honesty. Do you think? I think she was being honest that they made out. I but he imagines all this crazy shit of them like fucking in the bed. Like well, no, I that mean, didn't happen. They could have fucked. If they fucked, it was for like half a second before he walked in. I know. It's just well, so I mean, this also plays into another Something that upset a lot of people about the end of season one is like the ambiguity of everyone's ending is, you know, where it's like, did everyone learn a lesson? Not quite. Seems like most of these people are kind of the same. Did anyone learn a lesson here? um, Well, that's what I'm saying is if if we were ending in a traditional way, which I wouldn't not like the way it would end is like she definitely fucked him. He definitely fucked Daphne. They both. Yeah. When they went off and to then the they island. both sort of have like a head nod agreement of let's not do this again. This happened. It's done. 
if you're right, that throws it off. The The equation is imbalanced. If she just kissed someone, he did fuck Daphne. They went onto that cursed ass island and they had sex. I don't which think means, which means Aubrey definitely fucked him then. No. Or I think it's just it's just like the, the endings in season one where they're not quite that neat. Right. Or it's just like, yeah, it's imbalanced because like they're just starting down the same fucking path that these other two freaks are on. Yeah, they've Daphne, converted. They've converted them. <laughs> Daphne and Cameron's relationship is deranged. Yeah. It she is, has she has children with another man. They're and they are both obsessed with cucking yeah. each other. <laughs> uh, oh, it's all they can do. They're wildly I, obsessed with dude, it. Dude, the shot where Cameron is flossing his teeth in the mirror because he and and it just holds there on his face and you can tell he doesn't want to go talk to these kids because they're not his they're not his kids and the show doesn't have to tell you that you just know yeah it's that is so masterful to to lead up to have everything lead up to that moment yeah and you and it all clicks oh it's so good (laughs) yeah you like you understand what he's feeling and also you don't feel a damn thing for him because he's a sociopath he, he you know and so is she in a way they are yeah they're both pathological yeah. freaks yeah like they are absolute freaks of nature and i it's i don't think it's as simple as you know aubrey plaza and ethan learned their lesson and now they are going to go back to their old ways i think that think like like aubrey said um and i was waiting for this moment to come Ethan is honest to a fault. He cannot not lie to yeah. her. He literally, she walked in and he was like, I was jacking off the porn. <laughs> like he's going to tell her that he fucked Daphne. Yeah. He's going to tell her and she's going to be like, Oh, well, I seriously did just kiss. Right. Cameron. Um, like they are not, I don't think things end well for well, that. They, they weren't compatible from the start. So, no. I mean, it's not like, it's not like they were rekindling something that was there. It's they, yeah, it wasn't going to work out. Anyway. I know it's just, I, I like that about the way he ends these is that like that. Cause that's not how things work, right? You don't go through a one week experience and come out different forever. Exactly. Um, at least for the better. Right. <laughs> Usually when that happens, what happens is you just had trauma and you're worse. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, meanwhile, Daphne and Cameron are worse. Like they, it seems like, especially Cameron, the final shot of, of that them as a couple is disconcerting. I think he is thrown for a loop. We don't even, we don't ever get to really see his reaction to Ethan attacking him in the water. Like oh that, that is sort of just like brushed over. And that moved scene beyond. was nuts. And it really makes you think like this is the death right here. Mm-hmm. I think that's Mike White just being like, look, I'm going to do it. I'm going to crank it up right now. Look <laughs> I at me. Know. No, I know. Uh, it, it, yeah, that rocks. But almost a part of me, like one percent of me was like, what if they just crash the jet skis into each other in that one yeah, shot? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. Like the beginning of the other guys, you know, they just yeah, jump off the building and that's it's <laughs> over. Um, it's, so any other thoughts on any of the other? cast members that we um kind of flew past i think everyone does a really great job Haley lou richardson i really like yeah everyone was talking about her fits her her fits are super <laughs> zillennial very lizzie mcguire <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are um she gets it's not her fault she gets some of my least favorite lines in the series um because they're the most written and they're the most zoomer yeah. written for zoomer lines 
Um, and that's not her, you know, it's just, it's, it's not that they're bad lines. It's just that like Mike White sort of like trades in a world of subtlety. And so when he writes a line, that's like, you can't even get lost. Cause I have Apple maps in my pocket, you know, it's like, huh, yeah, I mean, I get it, but you're, you're already saying all that with less, right? You don't need to, you know, um, but I mean, you could see someone like that saying something like that, like a trying to, well, that's trying thing. to perf- be performative in a conversation. No, well, that, th- actually, you're right. That is kind of what saves it is. She is just kind of annoying. Yeah. Like as a character, Albie is too. Albie is like crazy annoying, dude. So they deserve each other. We, we got to talk about this a, a little bit more because Albie, <sighs> there were some people early on this season that were saying that Albie is, this golden child of this show he of all these terrible people he's the one guy that's just good and i I was like what planet are you on i thought it is red flags all over with this guy yeah when he the when he i mean the second he said the nice guy thing uh to her on their little yeah i was 100 percent sure he was going to go on an incel spree yeah like a school shooting at that hotel I thought that yeah, was no, it was be all it. teeing up to be to have for him to have this breaking point where he's like, I've done everything right. Why won't you have sex with me? Yeah. And I'm it just, uh, and instead of that, he does. He ends up being a better person than I thought he was because I was just prepping for him to like, yeah. go berserk or like do an assault. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't go fully overboard, but he still he falls just, into the trap of, plays, of yeah. his father. The same shit. He plays Captain save <laughs> and he learns a lesson, you know, and that's fair. Does like, he though? He yeah, he learns like he, he got he, played, he, but he's he's still going to grow up learning that he money can buy him whatever he wants. That's true. But he, it's you know, he learned this J. Cole lesson. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Mm. Um, And he like, hopefully his takeaway is don't go after wounded birds. Don't, you know, like go. Actually, she was never wounded at all. She was just playing you the whole time. Yeah. Like go after a fully formed human. Right. Who is capable of being a partner. Yeah. Um, I did like with the uh, Haley Lou Richardson character um, with uh, Portia um, that the way that's all played out is like she's stuck being she's on a job she is there to work and everything that happens to her is linked to the fact that she is either stuck working stuck trying to work and not being able to stuck trying to get away from working so it's not like she's there on vacation nothing that ever happens to her is because she's there to have a good time it, it all comes from the fact that she's there to be an assistant to uh, Tanya and both of the relationships that she encounters along the way are to either escape from that or to deal with being stuck in that. Yes. Yeah. She yeah. She wants to experience life and then she goes and experiences life and she's like, wow, that's. Life is a lot tougher yeah. than I thought it was going to be. Perfect end to that, too. Like, in that sketchy fucking side road by the airport. Yeah. To yeah. end it there, I was like, damn. Yeah. And he... That's yeah. real. Yeah, like, the road where he was going to, like, kill her. 
you know um shit it is oh and, my god yeah fuck and then and well and then meeting up with, you know meeting up with albie in the airport and uh and he's like yeah did you hear this like a bunch of motherfuckers died on a yacht yeah and she's like hair can i get your number yeah i know <laughs> um that just happened <laughs> um she's fucked all right any other thoughts on white lotus too i just i really love the show i'm excited for however long he's teasing japan oh is that what i heard oh shit yeah that's that's the tease is um he didn't say like specifically japan but somewhere in that region of the world a bunch of whites going to japan yeah um i'm i'm just i'm very excited for it It, i'm excited because he could have just done another class season yeah and, and he didn't he did fucking he did a fucking season. I I want him to find a balance between bringing in like your Michael Imperioli's, you know, your your kind of unsung heroes that need to be rekindled in pop culture and new faces. That's what I would love to see. It's it, I I don't think we need big stars no. here. Yeah, no. It 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 ruled to see you know someone like i mean these people you know the people that we're talking about hey lou richardson has been in shit yeah um theo whatever who plays cameron has been in stuff um i'll be positive yeah of course yeah yeah and then daphne like that actress has been in stuff but she this is something like this is an opportunity that actors just don't get a lot because it's an opportunity to show subtlety and range yeah and most performances do not offer that straight up whether or not they're able to do it like theo the guy who plays cameron was in the divergent movies he didn't yeah you're that's not giving you the chance to show your fucking chop he's so good in this he's so good yeah a a role like this is a chance to show everything you can do like in one because i hope we see jack in more shit that guy jack um i yeah it's i wonder if he's I wonder if that accent was genuine and he's just like some fucking chav. Yeah. You know, I think it is. Um, Cause then it'd be limiting, but man, his, his like creepy charisma mm. was like off the charts. I yeah. really, really like, he turns it. that dial at the end and it's like, Whoa, this yeah. guy's bad news. What about Albie search, search Albie Disney channel. Cause there was a clip going around Twitter today where he's like in some random fucking Disney channel shit. I don't know if it'll come up if you he, search he that. He was a part of the Debbie Ryan, that Debbie Ryan meme, thus forming a new multiverse BuzzFeed article. I have no idea what this is. I just saw a clip on Twitter of him like with a guitar singing a song in some Disney Channel movie. You might have to search the actor's I name. It. I found it. Yep. Yeah. Because, well, there's a specific Debbie Ryan meme where she's like giving a certain face. What is Debbie Ryan? Just like it was Disney Channel past our time. Okay, okay. It, yeah, it was so like, it's like a Lizzie McGuire, but for Zoomers. Early 2010s, yeah. Okay. Late 2000s, and he, yeah, she is making that lay meme face at Albie. Oh, as he's performing. Okay. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Whoa, he can sing. He's got bars. <laughs> he's cooking. <laughs> I do like that actor in yeah. that role. Like he was. He had another, he had a lot of more, uh, like annoying lines. Like, uh, Jenner's a fucking construct dad. Oh, like, like as if their dad and yeah. grandpa, when they're like in the Godfather museum, <laughs> it's like, I'm actually, I've never seen the film. Yeah. Cause it's 
misogynist. <laughs> Their little trips, if anything, felt underdeveloped to me. Yeah. Like be- when they went back to like their homeland and like, tr- you know, trying to reconnect with them, that was just like such a quick that should have been, yeah, that should have been more. I mean, that's the trade-off you get with such a sprawling cast. If it was just about them, you'd get a whole we'll be, thing. And, yeah, and also at that point, we're balls deep into uh, the yacht and Palermo yeah. and all that. Yeah, it's like, we got to go back to that. Yeah, yeah. it's fair. It, it's it's just a great season of TV. This is the pitch that I really like. As I was saying earlier, like, it's the same reason I like Triangle of Sadness a lot. It's really, it's focused on big ideas, but like the little, little things in our interactions mm-hmm. that like really shape them. Like at one, you know, at one point, Ethan is like, I knew you cheated because you said, uh, you know, you said he was an asshole. That was the tell. Like, that's how I knew. Wow. Like, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. Like it's, it's small things that they don't find their way into scripts like this that have pretty big plot going on because who has time for that? And right. th- this show has all the time in the world for it. So it's it's one of my like five favorite shows. Hell yeah. White Lotus season two. Can't wait for season three. And that wraps it up. So thank you all for watching. Please rate, review, subscribe, like, and comment. Let us know what you thought of all the things we talked about today. We should we should let Hunter back in though. Yeah, we can we locked him up in the <laughs> in the upper deck. Um Thank you, donors, for donating. You can become a donor at anchor.fm slash mic and visit webottomike.net to get the full archive of episodes and every new episode delivered in your inbox. Next week, hopefully, we will have a little, little touch point with um, some of our fellow critics group members to talk about our ballots uh, for the Central Florida Critics Association. Uh, but beyond that, Robin is on hiatus. We were going to part of the, the delays of this episode was trying to fit in the new Robin episode and between scheduling that and me getting COVID, it did not happen. But at some point we will get back to Robin with one hour. Photo. I think your immune system was like critically weakened by Bicentennial Man. <laughs> well, no, I did. I did watch the Robin movies. I have them already in my brain. I will see if they stay by the time we I know all of them. <laughs> I, I had to wash the stench of Bicentennial Man with uh, yeah. one hour photo and death to Smoochie. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've, I've never seen you as sad as you were after Bicentennial Man. <laughs> <laughs> I was truly broken. Yeah, it was like it was. <laughs> yeah, it was like you had a, a loss in your family. Or it, something. Was, it was. And I liked that movie as a kid. I mean, you know, I think that was I why you, lo- you lost the idea of a good movie. Yeah. Well, stay tuned for more. Stay tuned for uh, some final uh, end of the year picks, movies and, and shows as we lead up to Listomania for the best of 2022. Will National Treasure the series make the cut? Yes. The Disney Plus original National Treasure. What What's it called? What's the name of it? I don't know. It, it, to me, it's called Not Starring Nick Cage. Right. No, thank you. Right. Fuck you. They did get Catherine Zeta-Jones, though. So <laughs> for some reason. And she looks completely different, like a completely different. Is person. she the star? No, she probably shot all her scenes in one day. They got some a bunch of randos. Lisette Oliveira. Yeah. Hey, we got we did get um Justin Bartha in there though. Oh shit. Is he the dad? Is his kid the star? That would make sense if he just like snuck off and had a kid and that's like the 
main character his, of the his, show. like illegitimate child. Yeah. <laughs> trying to find On his travels. She's actually trying to find out who her dad is. <laughs> and it's just that's the twist at the end. It's like it was him the whole time. Damn. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. We love you. Bye bye.